Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today is the WNR 421. It's NXT Update, and I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by every NXT Update. It is, of course, Monty. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Back again for another review. Once again, uh, I'm always excited to be on the WNR and you know, break down NXT and you know, I, I'm in a really, really good mood today, so I'm just excited to get started, you know? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. The last time you were on, of course, was the anniversary show. We had a great response mm-hmm. uh, from that. We'd just like to thank everybody. Uh, and, of course, speaking to Jaxi last week as well. And she was talking some smack about beating you, uh, of course, at the WWE pay-per-view, <laughs> WrestleMania Backlash. Um, I mean, right. what were your what your thoughts? Because I think we all had a bad night, I think it would be fair to say. You know what? That's what I was looking at. I, I came away and I was like, man, I'm like, damn it. I was like three for three, I think, like three and three. And I'm like, man. I, I, but I was looking at everybody else's picks and I was trying to figure out who won. I was like, wow. You know, everybody did pretty rough except her, you know. So, so like, yeah, I, I hey, I don't hey, – I'm glad she gets the brag. I'm not even mad because a lot of my decisions – uh. I thought I was safe. Here you go. By the way, it's funny. Never been on AJ Styles again, right? Just, I got to <laughs> give up on that. Just I, just I can't do. It. But like I talk, like I said on my show, it's bullying at this point, right? It's somebody else. If you just, but anyway, I leave that alone. The you point know, but... is the review. <laughs> the uh, the show itself ended up being a fun night, and usually when I still have fun, even when I'm wrong, I don't necessarily uh, hurt too bad over it. But yeah, it was a rough, rough, rough going for the prediction, man. Well, <laughs> Jaxie was furious, and I said to her, you have won, but she was still annoyed she didn't go bloodline. So, And to be fair, right. it wasn't until I checked you went Corbin that I thought, oh, my God, what's happened here? You know, like, <laughs> I thought... Exactly. <laughs> but we have got more predictions coming, of course, with AEW. Yes. But on today's show, we have three broken skulls, three NXT 2.0s, including spring breaking. And three NXT yeah. UKs with the two drift episode with so much start, but we're going to start uh, with news. And one of the major stories coming out this week is WWE reportedly has a list of wrestlers who are allowed to get haircuts. Now this is breaking news <laughs> uh, as we know it. Uh, and there is a list of people uh, getting approved haircuts. Now Monty, let's play a quick game. Um, Shout out some wrestlers that you think will definitely be on the list of uh, haircuts allowed. And this is not just, obviously, because Edge changed it from long to short hair, but these are people <laughs> that can use the WWE Barbers backstage as well. So just shout out a couple of names. Uh, man, same feud. Uh, AJ Styles has had the, the, the soccer mom going for a long time. I kind of wish he could go back to the retro low cut, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Uh I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. Who else? That's tough. Well, it's, it's probably some better picks, but who, you, who who do you have? Yeah, who do you have? Well, Off the top of my head, AJ came to mind. AJ Styles, <laughs> Bobby Lashley. These are all the people that are allowed, approved. So, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> what the... uh, why Bobby? <laughs> I guess... What Bobby, what can he do more than he already does? <laughs> he hasn't had hair on top ever. Like, in his entire career, I've never seen him with a, anything. Like, even a... I don't, yeah, that's that's a weird uh, name, okay? Same thing goes for Happy Corbin, right? There's a, there's a reason. <laughs> that's, okay, this is real. Styles. 
But again, Cody okay. Rhodes, Cody Rhodes can get a trim. Damien Priest, mm-hmm. uh, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre. Even though you would think wow. if they wanted it short, probably not allowed. Uh, Finn Balor, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Kevin Owens, Kofi Kingston, Madcap Moss, Miz, wow. Paul Heyman, another one which would be quite <laughs> funny to see. Um, Randy Orton. Ricochet. Okay. Guys, Ricochet. Come on. What is uh, going on? Riddle, <laughs> Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Sheamus, and I thought of Riddle. Woods. Now, you can get a haircut outside of WWE, but you will have to have permission. What do you reckon of that? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, for all the balls of people, the Ricochet, <laughs> the, the, even Orton, Orton, I mean, at times, I guess he's letting his hair got, get a little long, but not, he's always kept it, you know, especially lately, he's been clean shaving. It's, kind, it's so funny. This is weird. Uh, but at this point, when it comes to WWE, the, the amount of weird things that goes on, like certain things you can't say, you know, in WWE, like it's always, these little quirks, you know, even something is, you know, even though I understand, I think I understand the reason, but even if something that, something that, nope, you can't have a speck of your real name in your wrestling name, <laughs> you know, stuff like that is just, I, at this point, are we really surprised? But the, yeah, some of these names on this list, it's, this is hilarious. Well, you it's, know. it's not helping. <laughs> it's not helping the fall of if WWE is a prison and it's like, right, we want to cha- change your name. You're only allowed to have this look and this is what you wear. This is what you do every day. Mm-hmm. But hey, guys, yeah. we're family entertainment. <laughs> you know, it's kind of... It's true. It's really, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's funny how, like, the, yeah, the portrayal that they that they put out there, like, oh, yeah, no, we all, it's all love, you know, family, family. But it's very, very strict, man. Very, very strict. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, like I said, some of it is definitely overboard. Maybe you can find a reason for some of the rules, but it's definitely <laughs> overboard, man. But uh, I'm not even surprised, though. I, like you said, when you've been a fan of them at this point for this long, do you um, just think about all the things you've heard just in the last five years about <laughs> but what, you, what you, can and you can't, what you can and can't do in WWE? But also, in my mind, I imagine the Miz sitting down in the chair going to JBL like, yes, I'm getting my hair cut. I'm accepted. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing, uh, finally. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit weird. Paul Heyman. I know. Who you believe that? Uh, anyway, we have had some serious news, uh, the releases that we have from NXT, mm-hmm. which we, again, it happens so often now. I cannot remember if you and I have spoken about it, but Dakota Kai... Yeah. Malcolm Bivens has been released. Harland was let go alongside Persia Perotta and also Dexter Loomis uh, and, of yep. course, Draco Anthony and a few others. The surprising thing is, of course, Loomis and Perotta were involved in a storyline uh, with Hudson and Indy Hartwell. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, of course, the news from Kai and Bivens is slightly different because they weren't going to sign new contracts and that's why they were released. In something like is saying that we spoke about weirdly enough, I think, on the last update. The fact is they just don't give talent a chance now and just, you know, give them a few weeks, a couple of months. If it doesn't work, release them. Yeah, I mean, and the funny, the worst thing about this uh, to me, or like one of the worst things about it, other than, of course, all these people uh, losing their job and all this. I, I remember when everyone was doing it and I first heard the release, they they talked, they talked, they literally, somebody, they were, some people 
were singling out like guys like Harlan, like, oh, he wasn't progressing fast enough. And I'm like, wow. I mean, he's in the, the performance center. Like, so, like, I thought the whole point of that is to, you know, give him time to, to, to pick it up. But anyway, besides all of that, uh, yeah, man, it's unfortunate, man. Like I said, uh, definitely Dakota Kai. I mean, she'll be misused. We talked about her potential. And, like, me and you are both long-time watchers of NXT. So when you see someone like that who's long, had that long tenure, never got a chance to actually get a title, that, that world title reign. Hell, her, even her tag title reigns, you know, none, neither one of them, you know, were able to last. And, you know, she battled back from injuries. Like, it, it, was, it really sucked to see her, her chapter in. And when you find out, you know, more context about it, it makes sense. So, uh, you know, I'm happy that at least it, it was kind of like her decision also. But, it, you know, it's still like you still we, I, I still thought in my mind that she had time to accomplish more down there uh, or just accomplish more under the WWE umbrella in general. But uh, Malcolm Bivens also like I, I tell we talk about all the time how great he was on the mic and just, you know, what he was adding to Diamond Man on television, literally. Actively, as a matter of fact, in this batch of episodes we're going to talk about, he was like, it, like the, I know on the, the first episode we were talking about, he was there. So it, it's just funny uh, how how it happens. And like like you said, we're used to it. I'm, I'm almost numb to, to the fact. And the, to, like you said, to the Draco Anthony and some of these other people who just barely even got time to develop or try anything as far as in front of our eyes, to see them uh, kind of get uh, uh, released before they could even really get started, man. Uh, that that's really unfortunate too. So yeah, man. Uh, the only thing I really got to say is that I don't like being numb to it and all of that. But the fact that, especially as someone who reviewed this show every week, the fact that they're creative in NXT was blindsided by a lot of this stuff. And you can tell by the, some of the storylines we're getting in place, or like you know some of the stuff, the scrambling they've been having to do with NXT television is just. It is a really, really t- uh, like tumultuous time in general. If you see what I'm saying, I can only imagine how you feel if you're writing NXT right now. Like, I don't know if this guy, this guy, this girl will be here in the next five weeks, but we're gonna go with this for now. You know, so it's rough. It's rough, man. Uh, from that point of view. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens with if someone like Harlan just kind of walks away from the business or, you know, eventually does yeah. come back. But we're talking about developmental wrestlers, wrestlers in the first stage. What about legendary wrestlers? And what are legendary wrestlers up to nowadays? And one of our favourite legendary wrestlers that we saw this past year was, of course, Hall of Famer Ted DiBiase, uh, who was part of the, the million-dollar title storyline with Cameron Grimes, which we liked. And what is he up to now? Well, he and his sons... Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Brett DiBiase have been named in a lawsuit filed by Mississippi Department of Human Services along with 35 other people to recover $24 million in federal funds that were intended to address poverty in the state. Yes, the million-dollar man stole millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Yes, it looks like there was a charity kind of set up for non-profits. Ted DiBiase Jr. received over $3 million to address the multi-needs of inner-city youths, something for which he wasn't qualified to do. He also alleged you see two payments of $700,000 for services he didn't uh, get. Uh, also, Ted DiBiase as well got a lump sum of two, well, a quarter of a million dollars. And uh, when he received the cheque, there's an email 
that he sent to his two sons writing, look what I got today, uh, according to the lawsuit. Uh, Brett, meanwhile, received two payments totaling $600,000 to provide anti-poverty services, but never did so. Um, so the Mississippi Department of Human Services su- suing for the following. Ted DiBiase, $1.9 million. Ted DiBiase Jr., 2.8. And Brett DiBiase, 800000 I mean, what the fuck? I will say this. He's still in gimmick, huh? <laughs> one of the, one of the you know, greedy and like, you know, and a terrible villain on television living up to it now. Oh, man, this is a crazy story, man. I didn't even, I don't know how I didn't catch wind of it. I think I heard about this, but I don't know. I think I just, maybe it's just pushed it back to the back of my mind. Uh, but man, that is insane. And the only thing I will say about this is that crimes like this, happen and kind of gets especially over here in america they don't people don't even this stuff is not on the radar because of how much stuff come like just happens all the time around here like it's, it's insane don't get me started on that but the point i'm trying to make is, is that to do that while posing to, to be for non-profits and, and anti-poverty type of things like that's just nasty like i i don't re- like i i like you know I don't know, man. I don't. Re- I don't really support the the whole guise of it all, and then doing like I, you know, people do crimes like that all the time, fraud and all that type of stuff, and you know, just simple, simple greed type of thing that happens. And I'm not trying to say that that, that doesn't mean it's bad. I'm just it, the regular fraud is bad. I'm just saying when you do it like that, it's just like when people steal from like you know holy places and stuff like that. It's just it is inc- it's just crazy to me where that story just went, if you see what I'm trying to say. But like I said, it actually fit the villain that I think of <laughs> when I think of the Million Dollar Man's character um, of what he played on television. But this is crazy, though. This yeah. is crazy. And it was a family, a whole family thing, you know? Man, it's crazy. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, another crazy news story, and hopefully mm-hmm. you can fill me in a little bit on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kota Ibushi's issues with New Japan Pro yeah. Wrestling. Now, <laughs> when it first come up, I thought he was kind of alleging uh, different things to maybe what were being said at the time. Uh, so yeah. what I got from it was he posted some screenshot Uh But what it boiled down to, I think, was he was sick of uh, New Japan trying to rush him back from injuries and also being short of money. But this is... I think due with a problem he has with someone in management, and that's how far yes. I kind of know. You're right. You're, you're right on the right track. You know, it comes from like a personal thing with a guy who is, is head of talent relations uh, in New Japan currently, and uh, he was a guy who was there in like 2019. And I think that's where the problems began, uh, or 2018, because like you said, it was over like funds, like uh, I think royalties over some merch or whatever. Abushi. And the guy in management just, they never agreed on that. And they kind of soured on each other from there. And this guy was dismissed from the company in 2019 for his own dealings. And Kota Ibushi kind of went into that in his uh kind of like spiral. Like the magnitude of this, I just like going to Twitter and exposing all of this. Like he was very, he's been very, very honest about how he feels about that he like he put in the screen one of the screenshots he was telling the guy in management you know i'd rather you guys just fire just fire me or whatever like they were like well, do you want us to you know cancel your contract or whatever he was like no you could just fire me basically it's like that's how 
over this situation Abushi seems to be. He's called out other members of the locker room. Uh, and a lot of the, the reception right now in Japanese professional wrestling, of according to reports, is just not good for Kota Abushi right now. That, like, because you don't really do this. This type of stuff you see all the time maybe in Western locker rooms. But over there, they don't really, like, you don't give out how you feel about what's going on backstage and all that. But from what I hear, Gato, who books, who's the who guy who gets the last decision for a lot of the decisions that's being made over there, he is trying his best to smooth this over. The thing is, Kota Bushi has basically warned that more is coming and ha- has basically went scorched earth on his Twitter, basically, about New Japan. And, like, it seems like he doesn't really care what happens uh, when it comes to coming back. And it's so crazy because I vividly remember doing a podcast talking about him signing his a lifetime deal with them, <laughs> or at least announce- making a big deal about yeah. I'll be with New Japan for the rest of my life. And literally that guy coming back or whatever the relationship souring there could be threatening one of the biggest stars. Like he was the guy before Zach Sabre Jr. One day he was going to, he was playing to win that cup, but uh, the management guy had a minor concern about his injuries again. Like you said, it's been inconsistent at one moment. He's uh, you know, they wanted to rush him back. But then now when they want, when he's actually ready to compete, then they wouldn't let him actually compete in the new Japan cup. So, I think that was one of the last straws also. So it's just been really, really weird. A lot of stuff is getting lost in translation, too. Mm. So this, like you said, definition of a, a story that you never really hear. Because, like I said, in New Japan or in Japanese wrestling, they don't really do that. You know, even if you have a problem with the territory, they don't, I don't, I'm not, they don't come out, especially do it on social media like that. So this is some serious stuff that I, I won't, I'm glad that we're talking about. So I feel like more people need to be paying attention because it's kind of like a lot of the news headlines that week were AEW New Japan selling out that show, yeah. you know. And I think that's a good you do you know focus on that. But you know, underneath this story has crept up, and I don't know, it might be something there. Well, this is an interesting thing, and it shows WWE aren't kind of the only company that you know, even with injury problems. Look at someone right. like Dolph Ziggler. Maybe never got the opportunity because they're worried about injuries and whatever it was. But it's interesting with Kota Ibushi right. because, you know, people go, well, go to AEW. But like you said, the Forbidden Door now, well, that pay-per-view, there's a, a relationship going on. And if AEW were to sign mm-hmm. a guy who is, like you said, in, in my, you know, what you've been saying, he's seeing punking WWE, so to speak, you know, just the kind of, <laughs> that, all yeah. this kind of it's shit. It's to this level at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the thing is, and again, I might be wrong, but the weird thing, I'd say even the weird thing or not with Japanese wrestling, is that it sounds like Kota Ibushi might get a, a black mark against his name, maybe. And then it's, well, if AEW's... And not just option, in New Japan, either. Like, I'm hearing, like, like other Japanese promotions yes, who don't want to yeah. work with him now. You know? Like, it's getting that crazy. bad. And, you know? uh, it's like I said, because it's Wrestle Kingdom, where he was the man, you know, winning the championship <laughs> and finally becoming God as it was, yeah. and then since then, and of course the injuries that, you know, I've, I say, I've seen him suffer in his matches. Uh, there's a great talent, yeah. like I said, it's not done in Japan, and it's just quite an interesting thing, like I said, to keep a, an eye out on. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to make it lighter to uh, now. There was a press release, a press release issued for news about Gizin Samani and Sunny Dijna 
formerly known as uh, Authors of Pain, and they're proud to announce yeah. the launch of a brand new wrestling promotion. Wrestling wow. Entertainment Series will debut on June 4th live for the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham. We'll be able to watch live on Fight TV. Some of the biggest names in professional wrestling will be there. This is their press release, of course. Uh, have dates across Europe and the Middle East, and it will see the return of Paul Ellering as manager by their side. Um, first off, the Motor Point does hold 10,000 people. Now, <laughs> I'm sure there was a yeah. Meltzer Cody thing a few years ago. Can you say <laughs> 10,000? I mean, I like the author's pain, but this was one of the weirdest <laughs> news stories, I think, of the week. Man, someone is just handing out promotions, right? Like, oh my goodness, wrestling is hot. That's that, like that's that's what I thought. I immediately thought, like, man, professional wrestling is on fire. Like, uh, I, I forgot the actor, but I know, I know they said I forgot his name. Who is the actor? They they claim has a, a promotion supposed to be coming or whatever. But uh, I know someone else got one. Now we got the control your narrative guys. We got this stuff. So. Uh, I immediately just started to think, man, I forgot, I didn't even think about what you just said about the 10,000. That's fair. I don't necessarily know if they're going to pull that off, but uh, if they do, kudos to them. But, man, that this is amazing, I guess. Like, I, I can't be mad at it because it is just more, you know, more more wrestling. But, like, I, I just saw the photo earlier today of uh, Billy Corgan, I think, who runs NWA, being in front of CBS. So that don't mean nothing's going to happen, but I'm just saying – like that's like it just it just feels good right now being in professional wrestling man and just talking about it, being a fan watching this because it's a lot of stuff happening. We're wrestling is obviously a hot ticket. It seems to be again, maybe not like it was in years past, but it may be on its way. Yeah, maybe it's on its way. But you're, you're this is crazy right. though. I, I I wouldn't be expecting this. <laughs> no. But it, I can tell one of my favorite stories now. I was lucky enough in 2017 to be front row for NXT when the Authors of Pain were one of the dominant tag teams in the promotion. Uh, a Carmen Razor yeah. had come up right where I stood and I was shouting right at Akam. I was going, you the man, Akam. You the man. You the man. And he looked really pissed off. And that's when I turned to Dan <laughs> and Dan said, you do know that's Razor. Uh, which, again... <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a good one. Can't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. That's classic. <laughs> so anyway, we will move on to the latest in the WM Network, and it has been a couple of months, but but it annoys me. It annoyed me when I was a young boy, Monty, and it annoys me now. Americans getting stuff before anybody else, basically. And one of the new series that was hyped on Peacock about WWE evil looking at the WWE's greatest villains is nowhere to be mm-hmm. seen on the network. It's not here. I don't uh, know where it is. Um, I don't know what's going on. No one's mentioned it at all. Um, so fuck them. I'm not going to talk about it if they don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> do, do you think, though, in this day and age, when they've actually got a network to put these things on, they should actually bother doing it? I agree. I agree 100%. You know, I uh, I couldn't believe, I actually was surprised because I was watching, I think, a Raw or something one day, and I kept it on. I'm like, hold on, they're showing WWE right here? Like, what's the point? What am I paying Peacock for? <laughs> Is they just going to show it? Because they, they're streaming it literally, or at least showing like a clip of it right after Raw's and stuff, and I'm just like, okay. 
I don't know what's going on. So uh, I think it was another one on the Miz. I've just seen Aaron just regular on regular TV, WWE Evil. So I'm just like, what is going? Why is this here and not only on Peacock or you know, like you said, on the network? I don't understand that. I didn't even know that you guys don't have it even on the thing because it's all it's on 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 Peacock. It's on over here. So like you said. uh, I haven't even watched it yet, so we don't need to, we don't necessarily oh, need so to right, focus on it. it. No, that's fine. You know. No, you you can watch it. You just <laughs> like you know, we're desperate for content. I want to because it is pretty. It is it is interesting stuff, but uh, I've only seen clips. I have not watched a full episode yet. I'm, I'm, I may eventually, but so we're we're gonna leave them alone because for some reason they've left you guys alone. Yes, right? they're anti-British. That's what they are. Uh, but, <laughs> But what they oh, did give us was what everybody had wanted for years is a new of table for free. Uh, this one started with Kurt Angle, Chad Gable and Otis. And there's a nice report to this. Angle is so cool and Gable notes worked hard to get to this point. The only thing um, that is difficult to watch with Kurt Angle is if he can't turn his neck. So every time he's talking to either Otis <laughs> or Chad, he's having to move his entire body. But again, yeah. um, not too bad. Then the second episode was the, about the 24 title with R-Truth, mm-hmm. uh, Carmella and Dana Brooke, uh, talking about Truth's adaptability. And Carmella saying she has never been to Staten Island. Can you believe that? Um, <laughs> but she has danced with Rihanna and Drake, which again, if that's you know what you're into, then yeah. fair enough, you know. But it wasn't too bad. And then we had a <laughs> WWE 24 about the Royal Rumble. Uh, obviously, in January of 2022, we see Edge and Beth talking the Rumble and Pat Patson. Of course, a nice history look. Uh, weirdly enough, Austin Theory was at the 2010 Rumble as a fan watching Edge win, which I thought that was quite fun. Uh, Focus on Lita, and it reminded me how good the women's Rumble was, and the men's was, nah. But again, it's good stuff if you can uh, be bothered to watch it. But what we're here for is, like we say, three broken skulls. Lita, March 25th. Uh, Now, these were excellent. With the Lita one, I've done a little bit um, to go through it, so we'll see what happens with it, and then we'll jump into the other two as well. Uh, so with Lee, once they talk injuries, and Lee's the turn match, which I guess her and Stone Cold both have in common. Lee to going to Mexico yep. to learn to wrestle, influenced by Rey Mysterio and work in the Indies. And I thought this was interesting about her is that she helping, things, you know, setting up whatever she can do to get her moment in mm-hmm. the limelight, basically. And she started off with a valet to Danny Doring and training with Dory Funk as well. And February 13th, 2000, Heat with S.A. Rios, eh? Can you believe <laughs> S.A. Rios? Well, you know, fun fact, though, he did face Taka Michinoku at WrestleMania 14 under a mask yes. as Aguilar. Um, and then no <laughs> one saw him again. And, of course, yeah. talking about the feud with Eddie Stark, uh, on to Team Extreme, praise to Dr. Tom, beating Steph for the women's title. She broke her neck filming a TV show, and this was very scary. Three broken bones in the neck and kind of left where she was, and the crew didn't know what to do. And, and again, weirdly enough, she rang Stone Cold to ask him about the choices, and he basically looked after her, showed up, 
uh, took her to the doctors and all this, which again, you just think, how much more can I like Stone Cold? You know, like, <laughs> what, what else right? can he do? Is like, that the like, I don't... <laughs> It's nothing you could like a lot. Of we and, and and not to not to throw any particular shots at anybody, but it's a lot of older legends that the older they get, it gets harder <laughs> to to start to like them. But like he he's he gets like oh man, more likable by the by the second. But yeah, man, this that was an awesome story. Like and then like the way that whole process went, that is terrifying. Like she laid on the floor for five minutes while they went off and just had a break. You know, yeah. <laughs> like pain. literally, yeah. she couldn't move, and I'm just—it was angering me. And you can tell even Austin mentioned how that was making him angry, just listening to how that that went. So yeah, man, that story was—it uh, was a great story, but that was uh, a tough. Well, that then fifteen months off injured, and then talking about the first women's Raw main event, December six, two thousand four, Trish versus Lita. Early 2005, Lita tore ACL. Now, you talk about injuries not to have. So an ACL, got to be one of the worst ones. Yes, and she mentioned how underrated it is because a lot of people, you know, have suffered it. People, you know, underrate the rehab process and just how painful and how tough that actually is. Then we talk about the Kane Edge Lita storyline. And they show a clip where they tricked us with Matt Hardy. And it is it's weird looking back at this uh, yeah. to think, you know, all the treatment of Matt Hardy, but it really did cement Edge as a top hill because remember, he hadn't actually won a world title at this point, and there was a lot of things that, you know, and uh, storylines of you've never won the big one. And when you consider mm-hmm. the guys won, what was it, 12 since then uh, or 11, yeah. it's, it's quite amazing to think that feud with Lita really did get Edge over. Um, and again, you just look at the kind of art with Lita had, and of course uh, her farewell promo November thirtieth, talking about mm-hmm. Mickey James' respect for both. They didn't show her getting embarrassed by Crime Time at Survivor Series when they yeah, pulled the vibrator out of the bag. You know, like. Yeah. Um, but thank goodness. They, yeah. By the way. <laughs> but what I did like about it, the way it was bookended, uh, in between the kind of Hall of Fame career that she spoke about, and mm-hmm. then of course the match with Becky Lynch. Even says herself, right? That, you know. Well, sorry, you go on. If you. <laughs> no, I, like I was saying, uh, I was going to say that, like in that match, you could tell meant so much to her. Like you mentioned, like they didn't mention how her, how crying, how like that was the last image a lot of fans had for. Like, that was the last time you saw Lita on television for a long time with that crime time stuff. So, you know, and especially as an actor, that was the last time you saw her as an active competitor. So when you do, when she got a chance to fin- do this thing with Becky, and that can be like, if it is the final match, that can be the last in- lasting imagery, I think is perfect uh, for her because she definitely deserves a, ba- a better send-off than what she got. And even she, like I said, admits to it, her career now feels a lot better thanks uh, to that match with Lynch. Uh, and again, like you talk about with Lita, it's weird because when you look at, you know, you talk about legends and you talk about people that change the industry. And so one of the <laughs> things I really liked is looking at the China versus Lita match from Judgment Day, yeah. I think 2001, because it's not kind of getting remembered about. And with China, obviously, ninth one of the world, but with Lita. It was a case of she who she was who she was. You know, she was an equal part of Team Extreme as anybody else, diving off the top 
Republican runners and stuff like this before many other women actually did it. And I think if you look, yes, injuries kind of took a big hit, but with the career she had, with the amount of people that she's influenced since then, there's no doubt, you know, we talk about Trish, but I think Lita is probably even more pivotal uh, than yeah. the women's revolution that we have now. Yeah, definitely. She's like so so necessary. You know, you don't you can't Trish wouldn't be where she is in people's mind without Lita and I think vice versa there. And I think uh you know, Lita one of the most popular women ever. Like the first women to do a lot. She had a lot of firsts, like the cage match with Victoria, you know, you mentioned and like being in there, like you said, in the ring with China for I guess that was China's last match, which is I guess that's a that's an honor right there in itself. But you know, uh and just all the things that she meant. Like, like I said, most of the women on the roster now are wrestling across the world or not wrestling, just watching if they like wrestling, looked up to Lita. And, you know, she's been like the first woman on Billboard with Becky and Saudi. You know, now that's a, another first that she's a part of, you know, uh, all the way from watching Rey Mysterio, like you said in the beginning, you know, to working down in Mexico. And just like you said, she was the, finding out that how just self-reliant she was. I just came away with a, uh, from this interview with a whole new level of respect man, for her journey and, you know, uh, and her, you know, just in general. And, you know, uh, we all know how important she was to the Hardys. Uh, the, like I said, how, how she battled back from those injuries. And, you know, I, this was just a, a very, very fun interview. And, I, and it was also cool to finally hear her feelings kind of on rated R, on that rated R angle with Edge and how they turn a personal thing into business because they always talked about it. But if you ever notice when they talked about that angle with Matt and Edge, they you got Matt's perspective, I think, plenty of times. You got Edge's perspective plenty of times. But we never really got – because Lita kind of got the worst of all of that, you know, of all of that stuff. And they profited off some real personal type of issues. So, like, looking back on it, and and seeing that, you know, hearing her kind of, even though they didn't go into detail about it, they kind of talked talk about it and still, and Austin was trying to, you know, you could tell Austin understood that she had been through a lot about that and felt some type of way. So, like you said, capping that off with the Becky Lynch match, it was just, I think it was a great ending. and It was just a really, really well-executed interview, man. This was great. Yeah, without doubt. Like I said, there's no rated R superstar without Lee. No way. Uh, no the way. next uh, Broken Skull Sessions was Bubba Ray Dudley, who actually <laughs> had his name back this time round, uh, right. which is interesting to see. Uh, I haven't made notes here, but I'll just try and run through what I can remember. I remember Austin stuttering when he said Bubba's name at the start, <laughs> and Bubba telling him the stuttering gimmick would never get right. Bubba uh, <laughs> telling Austin as well that what they have in common was that they debuted the same night in East W in September 1995, where Austin was doing his Hogan stuff, uh, and Bubba was there as a security guard. Uh, there also is a funny story of Paul Heyman telling him to shave his head, and Bubba saying he'll <laughs> never, ever do that, uh, and obviously then shaving his head as well and being part of the Dudleys. Um, there was a lot of st- What I liked about it is the kind of back and forth between Bubba and Stone mm-hmm. Cold, because what we know about Bubba, and he even admits, uh, as he talks about the kind of, you know, well, we've got all the ECW run that he kind of mentions, and he talks about TLC, and it, it, what I found really interesting, trying to focus on WrestleMania 17, about what spot should be last, whether Jeff getting speared off the top, or yeah. Bubba and Matt coming off the tables, and you think they were arguing about that, and Bubba 
always known to be quite hard-headed. But again, I think Stone Cold kind of respected that. Uh, and as they talk about what was the best match on WrestleMania 17, and Austin even says, well, you know, it's still a main event. And um, Bubba, of course, wasn't just drinking beers. Uh, it was drinking shots as well. And there was a story about them being in Japan, uh, a beer bash, when they had legitimately 110 beers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a few other bits as well, just off my head. Uh, when the Dudleys did go to uh, WWE, of course, with stuff with the public enemy facing the Acolytes, mm-hmm. and don't want to do a few spots. Uh, and then we see a clip of the Dudleys get, I mean, they got wiped out. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Acolytes. Um, but this was just really, really good stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, man, from the beginning, I could just tell from the way Bubba was talking with Austin, like just how comfortable they sounded. Uh, and, he, you know, the first story, I guess, was like you mentioned with the head shave was his worst fears. Like, even being the name, even being named Bubba was a fear he <laughs> because all the fat guys were named Bubba. So, uh, but uh, I just knew it was going to be full of awesome stories, man. And they just had a great time. They had chemistry. They they mentioned they didn't really hang out much, you know, or drink much together all the time, you know, over the years. But, you know. You, they felt like they had been doing it all the time, man. You know, and the story about how he was actually, you know, air quotes, trained. Like, man, he got absolutely screwed at the beginning of his career. And, you know, and still ended up in ECW and started, you know, actually picking up and learning uh, much of what he knew from there. And, you know, uh, him and Devon coming together, the story about how that actually worked out or what the idea behind, like, just the way he talked about it, you could tell. He was way more cerebral around, about a lot of this stuff than people probably would assume if you ever just looked at his matches or if you watched him work. So, I mean, I just I really came away really impressed with his wrestling mind, you know. Uh, I can tell why, you know, the radio show and all this stuff is successful because, you know, he actually, you know, is very, very, you know, even if he is opinionated, we like to say he's hard-headed, he's going to be opinionated, but he actually has a lot of sense there. And, you know, Austin was always great with his follow-up question. And, you know, the like you said, the, the first two weeks the Dudley was in WWE, that, that story was awesome. Mae Young story, you know, and just how tough she was. Yeah. That was great. You know what I mean? <laughs> he power-bombed uh, power her first, protecting her. As he, I mean, Bubba used to powerbomb women all the time, which, again, all so the time. you wouldn't get away with. And he used to sit no. out on them. So basically, and land. And Mae Young yeah. came to the back one time and said, hey, if you, if you don't treat me like one of the boys, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Or worse than <laughs> uh, And as Bubba says, you know, Mae Young. Yes, ma'am. The tough, one of the toughest men. You know? <laughs> uh, but you talked about right. his eloquence as well and speaking about ECW being yeah. uh, Napster, you know, compared to kind of how they changed the industry and... Um, and Paul Heyman being yeah. the kind of uh, David Koresh type character as well. Um, but I even liked it when he spoke, you know, about the Rumble 2000, about having five minutes. Yeah. Oh, they just decided to run for anything. And I've got to tell you, the Rumble 2000, that's one of my favourite events in the mm-hmm. that table match uh, to start. Because, you know, we, we can talk about how good Edge and Christian, the Hardys and Dudleys were. But I don't think anybody knew at the time just how special with the TLC matches and the ladder match and the table match. It was just every time any of those three teams came together, it was near on perfection. Yeah, and it was just great to hear his insight. Like, again, 
Like, I, I knew that you had to be cerebral, and they all had to put their minds together to come up with some of those awesome set pieces that they came up with. But I guess just to watch him talk about it and, like you said, discuss how they would argue sometimes, or at least at Mania they argued, and just, the, like you said, discussing even what went into that, that tag, the, uh, the, 2000, the 2000 Royal Rumble tag match, table match, it made sense. Because I always remember looking back at that match and just saying they are like at a breakneck pace, you know. And now looking back, it's like, oh well, they had ideas, so that they didn't have time to, you know, let stuff marinate. You know, they was actually <laughs> rushing because they got cut, and then they got cut at Mania also, right? I think so. They got cut like five minutes at Mania. He told a great joke to Austin about, well, I guess the main event needed more time. <laughs> so that was a that was just a great joke, uh, and uh, you know, like again. This was awesome, man. Just fantastic. And I like I didn't realize just how detailed you had to be. Like something as similar as Rhino coming up with moving the ladder so Edge could complete the spear uh to uh, you know, Jeff. I mean, yes, yes, Jeff. So just thinking about how much thought went into it, it just gives you a whole new appreciation. Made me want made me actually want to run the match back. They're always fun to watch, but now you can actually look at like to how everything had to be perfect. Even falling through a table. You know, is you know he had a strategy behind how he was gonna land and all. Like I just, I just love hearing that cause, because like those matches are always uh, giving credit for how great they were. But like when you hear just like what into making those perfect matches, it just really made me happy, man. I was and I'm also I don't know if we're gonna get there yet, but they mentioned Bully Ray, and I was really a fan of that. I'm like I was a fan of Bully Ray, so I was so happy that they got into that. Well, this is the thing. They, Bubba talks about the financial reasons why they left WWE. Yes, that was um, great too. One of the interesting things as well was the feud with the Undertaker before they did leave and Undertaker didn't want to kick out the 3D <laughs> saying no one has ever actually done before. Um, yeah. And saying that they just left because of the money and they knew they'd be welcomed back 10 years later for the Hall of Fame. And they talk about the TNA run and the New Japan and winning all the titles. And there was nothing left to do literally um <laughs> literally to do until they did fight uh face the motor seat machine guns and chris sabin kicked out of the that 3d and knew that was it and like we talk about the bully ray cats because you know i watch impact now but i think the time before that i did was aces and eight storyline and of course mm. bully ray uh and hulk hogan weirdly enough <laughs> oh, was God. talking about uh, Brooke and um, uh, beating <laughs> Jeff Hardy at lockdown for the TNA yeah. Championship. Um, yeah, I mean, Bully Ray character was just great. It is a shame we didn't see it on WWE television, but then again, it probably been a little bit watered down. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know if they were gonna uh, want to accomplish it. And and then also, I didn't know if you were going to just make it Bully Ray or what they're going to try to. I didn't want them to actually try to do a, a whole another Aces and Eight thing because I kind of said, all right. We've already saw the biker gang version. They could at least just give us a, a bully ray, but I didn't necessarily know where they were going to go with it either. But again, I was a very big fan of his work uh, as bully ray. But just again, he a showcase in the mind. He came to impact with that plan. He said he had a year plan for the character of bully ray when he was you know pitching what he would do when him and Devon broke off for singles run. And you know, just again, I just I have to give him the utmost respect for just being a great wrestling man, I don't necessarily know where do people think of uh, Bubba in that sense, but, you know, uh, he really impressed me with just somehow, just how much thought went into everything that he did down at Impact. Yeah. 
Without a doubt. Like I said, a really, really good watch. And I think my favourite Broken Skull uh, session. We're going to get on to Cody. And I know that might be a little bit... Uh, but I just felt with the Bully Ray, there was no bullshit. It was all just quite straight up, you know, straight into it, you know. Um, but we are... 100%. We have got one last one, which is called Cody Rose on the Broken Skull session. I did make a few notes. Watches and drinks talk to start. So Austin kind of getting Cody comfortable, talk about Rolexes, talk about kind of what drinks they like to have. And of course, WrestleMania 38, thoughts and feelings. WrestleMania 38, I was thinking this, is going to be one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. When you think about those two men sitting at the table, actually performing there, and the way the crowd reacted as well. It's just fantastic. <laughs> you know, I'll just take a second to think how good it was. Yeah, and I, I want to make a point. This is not me being petty about my pick for last year's WrestleMania, but I remember last year's WrestleMania was incredible. But by the time we got to December, you probably definitely forgot a lot of what happened. By the time we get to December this year, the moments that happened in this year's WrestleMania – I will really be surprised if we don't have a have this still in our brain. Some of the things might be a little hazy, but I'll never forget McMahon, you know, Stunner Botch. I never forget Cody's debut. So, like, it's just, I don't know. It's looking like it's definitely one of those all timers. You know what I mean? Well, this is interesting because then they talk about someone being over, uh, and this is a conversation that could span a whole podcast, I guess, about what is over it could. kind of level of over. I, I don't maybe agree with Cody, but then again, it's it's what is over and what is kind of marketable, but then again, it's different. You know, is, yeah. is there any wrestler now you can put on the front of a poster that will sell more than any other wrestler? You know, and I think that is saying maybe even with Austin and Hogan, we just haven't had that, even though WWE is more yeah. profitable than it's kind of ever have been. Um, you talk about uh, watches earlier, talk about a Rolex Cody wanted uh, and Dusty had to sell to give Cody um, acting less because Dusty fell on hard times. But it's, And again, Cody calling Dusty Dusty, uh, which, you know, it must be strange, I think, you know, to try and talk about the character as opposed to, you know, your dad or something like this, but talk about Dusty and hard times going into the Hall of Fame uh, of course, with Dustin along there and, and kind of how young Cody looks uh, at that point in time. Uh, and then kind of moving on to his WWE debut and going into developmental. And Cody even admits to be calling up too soon, which you probably won't hear many wrestlers say that. Um, and again, he was put kind of right into the spotlight. But if memory serves me right, kind of with Bob Holly, a hardcore Holly with tag champs. And then straight into legacy, you know. Yeah, I agree. I remember those days actually, and I remember, like you said, he was a completely different guy. But I think when I real when they start to kind of talk about that in the interview, me as someone who grew up like literally was in like high school and the middle school ages watching Cody. Like, I grew up with Cody Conda, if you see what I'm trying to say, while he was in the bit. Because I remember those days, no knee pads, you know, the blue trunks with hardcore Holly, you know, tag team champion. And then I remember the transition into Legacy, you know, dashing and, you know, kind of watching him go through that timeline kind of was really personal for me, I guess, because I remember 
growing up kind of watching Cody as these years have gone by. So it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's weird with Legacy, of course, with Ted DiBiase involved, and he's got his own problems at the moment with about earlier. Uh, and, of course, with Randy Orton working with Sean and Triple H and Cody talking about, he mentions numerous names of people he's learned from, whether it be Ricky Steamboat, the way his facials, or Danny Davis. Uh, like we talk about Shawn Michaels talking, him, calling him the kind of ultimate, um, you know, rather than paint by the numbers, just kind of like... Uh, the, the the legend that Michaels is um, also about his WrestleMania 26 match where Legacy came to an end even Cody at that point was saying his whole point of that match was kind of getting Orton ready for his babyface run as opposed to helping out Ted or Cody and mm-hmm. you mentioned dashing Cody Rhodes and of course we hear a bit or smoke and mirrors but I really like <laughs> the formed Cody with the mask and of course Cody yes. Talk about how good that was. What great work. WrestleMania 27 in the kind of title match versus Ray. I honestly thought he was the next big thing after this because it's yes. everything seems to be going his way, you know? I agree. That. Both of those versions of him, whether he was deformed or if he, if he ever went back to dashing at that time, I thought were just gold. I, I, I Looking back, they lasted. They did not last nowhere near as long as they should have. Like, they were, it, he was... He was building and just, like you said, growing and on the rise. And around that time, definitely was after that Intercontinental title run. Yeah, I was thinking world title is definitely in this this kid's future. Like he's going to be, by the time, like around this time, I thought he would be, you know, one of these faces of of WWE. You know, he's back now, but like without ever leaving. So like this is kind of like thinking back to this time is really, really – funny to me now you know because yeah. you, you a see, lot happened well you can see the frustrations <laughs> and the kind of character that yeah. even he says giving it a kind of title changing it back to the traditional design and thinking yeah I'll just run with this title belt now and i'll get an opportunity and and they don't kind of go into detail for kind of what happened they kind of skip straight to 2013 battleground uh, and, a, and a fantastic mm. match with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns versus Cody and Goldust. Yeah. Of course, with Dusty at ringside, I guess Pin and Seth, some things don't change. But, of course, Dusty <laughs> with the last bionic elbow. Uh, and the kind of the, 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 act, the reaction from that crowd is saying that we don't even get kind of a lot of now. You know, where no. it's just pure mm-hmm. emotion. Joy. You know, it was just joy. I remember that vividly. Just an awesome moment for, for, for the whole for the Rhodes family and you know, and then symbolically now looking back, knowing what we know now, oh man, it, it means even more now in hindsight, you know, just a, a very, very just a cathartic, cathartic uh finish, man. And then talk about the Stardust character of being Silver Dust originally, then Stardust and only been there uh, for a few months or so, and then he even talked about doing signings with fans and being in full regalia because he didn't want to be admit to being Stardust. Uh, then yeah. Cody talk about losing his dad, and I got quite emotional. And I say quite graphic, you know, uh, the way he talks. Uh, about he was vulnerable. What yeah, it's just yeah. You just you know, with, with that kind of thing, it's just awful. And um, I don't know how much he's ever really talked about that to that detail. You know what I mean? Because, like, uh, learning that and le- and then understanding that he was still having to play the role of Stardust during this time, like, everyone would be, like, I, I would be a wreck, too, like, in his shoes, like, if you look based on the story, 
that he told. So like, yeah, man, he he was he he bared it all here. You know, Austin got it all up. <laughs> he really, really did, and then asking for his release, uh, Cody leaving, and then of course moved to Japan. Talk about the American Nightmare character, and even Austin says the dyed hair kind of gives the character a little mm-hmm. bit extra. Which, when he's saying that to you, you take it all day long. Of and course, then, of course, Bullet Club member, uh, and of course, luckily we have got a. Uh, expert here with bullet club um so cody when he joined but was it a bigger deal as they kind of made out because he even cody says that people weren't happy when he first joined because he was too wwe oh yeah it was definitely pockets of people who didn't want cody rose there he was he was a guy who uh you know some people still probably have problems with you know sections of the audience uh who didn't like him. i don't think it was anything particular cody did i just think uh, he was also playing uh, a, a heel character in Japan, also, so he wasn't really being the most likable person on the uh, in the show. But at the end of the day, I, I remember as a fan enjoying his run there. But I, I again, I liked Cody already. That point. Plus, Cody was traveling around the, like before he even got to New Japan, he was everywhere they kind of glossed over it. But if you remember at that time when he first got into the independence, he was going everywhere. Ring of Honor just. He was doing everything. I think he even spent time in Impact. So, uh, yeah, Cody, uh, when he came to New Japan, probably was not the most liked. And I think over time he kind of earned a little bit more respect and uh, all of that. But over there in Japan, anyway, when you're a new face, you gotta, you gotta, you got to come with it. And eventually he ended up getting, you know, title shots. He was a U.S. champion. So he earned that respect as time went on. But, yeah, so at first people were, re- you know, a little, a little – uptight about it because he was only known as Cody Rhodes from the WWE. Well, then it's interesting because a lot of people would assume that the all-in pay-per-view was AEW's first pay-per-view when in fact it wasn't. It was a combination of New Japan and Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor uh, with, this is to talk about with the bet Meltzer said no one could sell out uh, apart from WWE 10,000 people arena. Cody bet the challenge uh, and, and did uh, with a record, I think, with how quickly it sold out, beating Nick Aldis for the NWA title as well, and of course the lineage that Dusty has got with that title, uh, I think was great as well. The kind of synergy that was going on, and then AEW talk, and I was looking at the clock at this point and thinking, well, you know, twenty minutes talk AEW, um, and they didn't kind of go too much into detail there was a few chats mm-hmm. talk cody talked about him being overly gen- generous and even arn anderson telling him that i mean i'm glad arn didn't get his glock out um he did say <laughs> a couple of interesting things he said he made aew with his match versus dustin whether that be a freudian slip or not i think that match got a lot of eyes on the product um, definitely again with his run in aew I feel he shot himself in the foot by not being able to challenge for a world title. Uh, but then again, with his AEW run, he talks about having to be a boss as well. And even now, with the conversations he has with them. Uh, so, you know, we always talk about rumours with Cody Lights, but I think with what he's accomplished in AEW, I don't think there's no need to be kind of bitter about it, you know? No, I don't think so. I think... He, he, you know, he did a lot, and especially for those early days, he was important. He was the face, and I don't think you can ever take that away from him. And you know, he was an EVP there, you know, and he he did have successful moments 
and he definitely he mentions he's admitted it at this point. He he knows that you know booking himself to not be the world champion was a mistake, and uh, you know, and I but I. I did. He did. I didn't feel like he tried to avoid the truth, even though he they were not as you know they didn't they didn't go into any like dirty details. But he did mention Tony and Kenny and the Bucks. You know, he did say their name. So and he told awesome stories uh, anyway, like about how he felt about being MVP. Because I actually did want to know, like, why? What made you want to leave that position that you were in? as an EVP and a performer the way you did, because, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. Was it just because you didn't get along with the others or, you know, whatever it was. And to hear him just say from his own lip that he felt like that was good. That would, that would be good for, that wouldn't be good for 36, but it would be good for 46. So basically more, it'd be, he would have been better suited for this role after he was done with his in the ring aspirations. And, you know, I feel like that's a perfect enough explanation for me, if you see what I'm saying. So I don't really understand how anybody could be too bitter with Cody about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just business anyway. You know, if you leave, uh, I love it. I always heard these great stories about territories, you know, growing up. I was too young. I never really got like the bit, you know, just like a lot of people born in the 90s. The only territories I knew about WCW, WWE, you know, ECW. And then like then everything else. Oh, as the years went on, you know, you kind of picked it up as you went. But so kind of getting that feel now of all of these many places to go. I love what Cody did. So I don't understand any of the bitterness, like you said, based on what he accomplished and just how important he was for them in those early days. But hearing him say like he just had other aspirations and he wanted to get back in the ring. It made sense to me. And I, I understand, even though. We, I'm pretty sure a lot more went into that also because it's just too much of a big of a decision yeah. not to yeah. for not for a lot to be in it. But I, I'm good enough with that explanation if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, and the thing is, he mentioned a couple of times the 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 eagle belt behind the WF Championship and saying this is what he's coming for. It's and, the one, you know. And yeah. even him saying this WrestleMania match may be his biggest match in WWE if it doesn't go right, but he's got to try. Yeah, and. You know, I, I can really appreciate that. He, he could have sat with AEW mm-hmm. and become a 14-time TNT champion and put Dan over, but he wants to try it, you know. And, and again, if it doesn't work, you know, if two or three years' time, go back to AEW and, 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 you know, try again. But the thing I was most shocked about was who reached out to whom. And Bruce fucking yeah. Pritchard ringing Pritchard, him. Pritchard, right? Asking, like... Come on, Bruce, get in there, son. <laughs> you know, fair play. Um, right. And what I thought was really nice was Stone Cold. Because obviously Stone Cold's got a lot of respect for Dusty. You could, you could tell even, yes. if you will, uh, with the few things he's saying. <laughs> um, and, and I loved at the end where he, he's teaching Cody all the best. He's saying kind of, you've got all your tools now. You've got everything you need. It's kind of down to you and but even with Cody talking about he could be at his best and it's just not the right time or not the right thing and I just hope WWE sort it out but I think from this from how he's been booked since the turning and even like the Money mm-hmm. in the Bank advert they are treating mm-hmm. him like a big deal Hell in the cell, yeah and this is the thing yeah. and it's weird you know Dusty is a legend will, Cody will never get out of his father's shadow even though he might have tried yeah. and whether it is but again, he might be one of the most important wrestlers of all time if 
AEW talent yeah. and other talent now decide to give WWE a chance and it becomes success. And like you said, it breeds competition. It means wrestlers can go and get paid elsewhere and actually have a choice mm-hmm. and a chance. Uh, in worst case scenario, they can always join the Authors of Pain's promotion. So like I said, even, <laughs> even with that, there's positives. Yeah. Three broken skulls and not a dud in all three. What would you say would be your personal no favourite out of the three if you had to choose? Man, uh, I, like I said, I, I think I think Cody is definitely my favorite because, like I said, I love his honesty. I did like I learned a lot more. I got just so much more perspective on what happened because, like I said, I kind of grew up watching everything that he kind of went through through as much as as much as you could through television. So hearing him explain a lot more what was going through cerebral cerebrally, like I like Stardust, and to hear how much he hated his time doing it and understanding why it was, you know. It was cool, you know, to actually get that perspective. I felt like no matter what they gave him, he hit it out the park. So listening to him talk about that and just kind of, you know, talk about learning on the fly, I really enjoyed his the most, even though Bully Rays was a good time and I learned a lot. Like I said, gained a whole new level of respect for Lita and her. So these were just, these were all great, but I'm going with Cody. Yeah, about that. Well, now we've uh, had a good time for an hour. Mm-hmm. It's time to get a little bit depressed because we're going to move on <laughs> to NXT 2.0. We have got spring mm-hmm. breaking with no G, ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. We'll see how we get on. But we start with April mm-hmm. 26th um, with Nikita Lyons beating Legend again in an absolute clusterfuck. And Natalia attacked Lyons after the bell along with Legend, but Corrigade, even the odds, and cleared the square circle. For some reason, Von Wagner faced Tony D and beat him thanks to Santos. Why? Uh, and Nathan Fraser walked out the ring, only to watch his opponent, Guru Raj, get laid out by Grayson Waller. Waller took to the ring and mocked Fraser as well as Chase U, but it never laid him out, and Andre Chase labelled it a teachable moment. I told you Nathan Fraser would face Grayson Waller. He just, he just got that face. <laughs> um, WWE announced the first ever women's breakout tournament. More of that in a bit. Casey Cantazaro is now known as Katana Chance. Katana Chance. Oh, God. Yeah. Katana she, Chance. She and Caden Carter look as keys if ever. They uh, beat Valentina Feroz and Ulysse Leon. Net break of 450 combination. This was okay. Legado del Fantasma versus Briggs and Fallon Hendy. Legado won. I do hate Briggs. I'm glad Jensen was attacked. Um, Solo Sokoa beat Trick Williams. Both look good. I'm sorry, Monty. I know you used to have a lot more to do on NXT, but when I kind of run through it like this, it helps a lot. No, um, no, you're doing, you're doing no, a good yeah. job. You're doing a good job. Say There's when. a lot of filler here. Yeah, say when. Yeah, bro, just keep um, going. It just <laughs> talked up Malik Blade, convinced him to believe in himself, had a match with the Raiders. Eric and Ivor extended hands to the opponents after the show respect. Uh, them up. The Creed brothers came out to stare down. Idris and Blade have my interest. I like the cool running. Yeah, I actually like an inspiration. You know, they're not many. They cool had a really speech, good uh, pep up. I like yeah. the pep talk. That was cool. I liked it. They they actually popped me with some of the goofy stuff uh, NXT make them do. They actually popped me sometimes. So I, I I think they're they'll be they'll be good with with time. What worries me is that we did the same for two point as in <laughs> the tag skies last year, and uh, then they got released. It's just I just that's worry fair. 
every time yeah, I say yeah. to you, oh, I don't, it almost makes me want to go, no, I don't want to say anything just in case. I you mean, you, you swear it was a star. You said star, <laughs> reading all over him. I knew what you meant. Yeah. And he's definitely a star in the other promotion. So. Yeah. Well, we got a nice Wesley vignette. Um, we'll be interested where they go with Wesley with that. Mandy Rose Oops. found herself seriously challenged Perez, uh, but she connected a basketball kick to take the win. Wendy Chu sent Toxic Attraction running with the water guns and then dropped a net on them. <laughs> Perez sprayed him with silly yeah. drink. I thought I made that up, but no, it actually happened, didn't it? Nope. I'm, not, I'm not going crazy. That's all right. And That's then, an accurate description. <laughs> and then Joe Gacy promised to change the world. He walked out oh. alone. But hooded men came out to surround the wing, it ring. He told everyone Braun Breaker mm. was too injured to vent his title. But Rick Steiner arrived mm. at the, the NXT champ. Stormed the ring up. Gacy used the distraction of the hooded men to hit a handspring clothesline. The men formed the line and brought NXT championship to Gacy. It was horrible. Mm. But that is one episode of 2.0. So, Monty, what did you think? <laughs> Like you said, horrible. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really have much to say. Like a lot of this was filler. The one debut, I guess, I was looking forward to ended up not even <laughs> happening. <laughs> so okay, and then just like I, everything, this is just a, a definition of filler for the most part. Uh, and yeah, that that finish, I didn't even, I couldn't even complete it. I mean, like. I was so agitated by the time they started passing the belt over one by one <laughs> that I just, all right, okay, I'm cool. I don't, I don't even need to watch this right now. I don't know. Um, well, yeah. It, next, please, because I know what matches next. So we can just get, we can go to the next one ASAP. <laughs> it built excitement for spring break in no G. May 3rd. Pretty deadly. Open the show. Hyping up the car before joining a dip in the pool. Yes, boy. Side plate check. I'm glad we got pretty deadly to even out Toxic Attraction, if you know what I mean. It's even, I can imagine some blokes <laughs> seeing the close up, you know, the back of his head and going, who's that? And then suddenly it's Sam Stoker. <laughs> <laughs> also, as he's, right. he's known. Um, but equality is key. Uh, they did have a mini set to start off the show, and our first match is for the NXT North American title Cameron Grimes versus Carmella Hayes versus Sola. Sokoa and Sokoa controlled the action throughout but could not put away Grimes or Hayes. The NXT North American champ found his spot to hit a top rope cave in on Sokoa to retain his title. What were your thoughts on this? This was awesome. Like, they that pace, and it was just non stop fun, man. You know, and I expected that, but they, they really were. Uh, rolling here and like i said i've been saying it i don't even need i don't think i need to repeat that this is by far the best thing on this show this this entire feud between all three of them and uh and putting this match first was risky for me because this was the only match i was looking forward to on the card <laughs> like i i you know if i didn't want to have to do this show <laughs> i probably wouldn't have kept watching because i didn't really care about much else uh going into the show uh, but yeah, man, these three—I think all three of them are special for for different reasons. But listening to that crowd, man, it, it just made me think back to what you said the week, before, you know, the last review about the chase for Grimes being—he might be more over then for that chase than he will be during this reign because 
Yeah, uh, Solo, man, he's taking <laughs> he's taking over that place down there, man. I get it. He's awesome, but he is taking over, man, but it, that it's, place. It's almost like they're going to call Cameron Grimes. They're going to change his name to Mr. Bland next week. It's like, why That's true. do you make a baby face so bland? There's no fire now. They took away everything. Yeah, that, and they're giving was, it to Solo. Cool the crowd, like you said, fully behind him. They have fucked it with Grimes' North American title reign already. The fans won't be happy until Solo. So he's going to have to flip and go yeah. back to heel Grimes, maybe. That's and, just you know, crazy. Be back, you know. Make it work. But, yeah. yeah. So fast, too. It's just Grimes, such a flip. But... It's such a flip, though. Like, we, were, I think just at the takeover, we were talking about, you know, his father, and, you know, how mm. the triumphant feeling and, you know, the stand and deliver, I mean, or, you know, and here we go now. So, yeah, but... Match was still awesome. Like I said, all three of these guys are special. Oh, yeah, what a match. The old Tower of Doom spot got deserved. Holy shit, chant. And we didn't actually mention Salas to on the top 10 list we did for the anniversary show. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, don't try. I regret that. Yeah. Don't. I'm so sorry. It's not my fault. Jack C and Gina told us. Uh, Solo, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've not caused any trouble or anything. But, 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 yeah, watch this match. Don't watch Wendy Chu giving Mandy an extra tan. That's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Indy Hartwell, oh Duke Hudson refused to tease a relationship after losing their This was bad, others. too. It's just, why? That's the best they could come up with after two people from the angle get fired? They couldn't just act like this whole angle didn't exist anymore. I did, I, I, I'm not saying it was too bad, but I just didn't like even hinting at it. It was just like, bro, like, we get it. They're gone. Let's just act like this never happened. Can we please? But whatever. It's over now, I hope so. Well, then we move on to Grayson Waller versus Nathan Fraser. And just before the match, Fraser talked up how much this moment meant to him as a fan, debuting on a 2.0 stage. Chase U caused Grayson Waller to fall off top rope with a surprise air horn, which allowed Fraser to hit him with a Phoenix Splash for the win. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to you know, mention why Nathan Fraser maybe won and Naked didn't. And I don't think it's got yeah. anything to do that he's Seth Rollins' boy. I don't think exactly. <laughs> I think that's a that's, yeah. I think that's obvious, man. And I'm sorry that it was unavoidable for me. He felt like way much more of a big deal the way they pre- presented him over a kid. Like, I, oh my goodness! Like, I don't know what the future lies because you know. But he definitely. I was giving up on NXT UK guys having bright futures in WWE, but he definitely got bright brought in by the right guy. I don't, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him because I think Fraser is great. So, you know, but yeah, I, I definitely, without even having to say a word, we know the difference between him and AK. Well, I got to say, for now, I've got to, we got to take credit for a pretty deadly tag team. I don't know how long they're going to be there, but they're repping UK. Go on, boys. That's what we're talking about. That's true. About. Um, nice entrance by Fraser. I even like the way the light mm-hmm. to kind of come out. I, I yeah. did think the bloke in the crowd was Waller's dad. Until they told us he was like, <laughs> he was an actor, yeah, yeah I didn't, was actor. or whoever he was, yeah, I don't, yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Yeah, he, like, he didn't take a chill pill. <laughs> um, he was I, hype. I thought Fraser did bring out the best in Waller, but it yeah. is downhill from now, kid. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Roderick Strong told the Creed brothers in Ivan Island need to step up starting tonight. Yeah, Roderick, those in glass houses, maybe. Uh, Tony right. Giangelo refused to follow Santos Escobar's lead. However, after AJ Galante talked him down, Giangelo agreed mm-hmm. an easy truce. 
Uh, Lagarde kidnapped Galante after Escobar admitted that the Constituente kept the Don strong. Why are they dragging Legado into this shit? I only want to give them credit for trying to act the best that they can. I don't know why we're doing this whole gang war, mafia beef thing that's going on, but yeah, I, I and it's dragging too. That's the thing too. It's just like I thought we were gonna get a match at some point, and it just I don't know. Either way it go, they de- they definitely like that a lot more than I think I do. So. <laughs> it is what it is. I don't mind it because I'm into what Santos. Santos, like I said, is doing a really good job, and even Tony D, that they're, they're they're doing a good job of acting. I just don't understand the purpose of all this. <laughs> yes, like guys, you're doing a good job, but you're wrestlers. Like, like I get no that reason. the character background. Like I know we get it that he's supposed to be mob. We get it that you know Santos is, is affiliated also apparently, but. Like they wrestle. Why why hasn't anyone made anyone actually fight yet in the ring? I don't I don't know. Whatever. We'll worry about it later. Well, Elton <laughs> Prince and Kit Wilson that he got on the bad side of Erica Niva by interrupting him during an interview. And then Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons versus Natalia and Lash Legend. Natalia tried to carry the action as a veteran. Yeah. But she accidentally kicked Lash in the face. Uh, Lance mm-hmm. hit a legend with a split leg drop to set up Jay for a drive and sent on to win. I cannot believe how over Lions is. I really can't. Me either. Don't, um, I don't really. I know why, yes, but I don't yeah, get yeah. it. Um, we know why, but I don't get it. <laughs> this was a bit of a mess, but God does love a trier. Yeah. And then we see Roxy and Chew stole toxic shoes for about two minutes. I don't think we we're focused on the shoes. Not when they're walking no. like that, boys and girls. No. Um, that's no. why I'm glad we got pretty deadly. <laughs> Viking Raiders versus Creed Brothers. Up next, Judas and Brutus had little to answer to the Viking Raiders' power and speed, who actually looked like quite a big deal in NXT as well. Uh, Roger yeah. Strong did run in with a running knee on Eric up Julius to get the win, but the Creed Brothers realised what Strong had done afterwards and were not happy. I tell you something, though, with this match, Judas looked like he got the wind knocked out of him at one point, and he did well to yeah. actually uh, get back into this. But this is all leading to one moment, isn't it, really? Definitely. It's all about the build-up. I, I like this because I don't know if anybody can look more resilient than the Creed. They took everything the Viking Raiders all had. And I, that was a couple of finishers. Uh, I've seen them finish people with those, a couple of those moves, and the Creed just kept kicking out, you know. And then, you know, I, it's definitely leading up to, you know, you know uh, the big moment that they will definitely one day uh, take take those tag titles, but also you know maybe the big moment of them getting out of the diamond mat or you know getting away from Roger Strong also maybe is being teased too. Uh, by the way, the Roger Strong thing, I'm confused. Didn't he ask for his release? Did they just say they just told him no, or or did they agree that no, we're, you're fine, we're still gonna make you work? Like what's going on? I don't uh, know. They, anyway, that new yes. story happened, and then he's just he's never left. Television, I don't think so. They, just, they put their they put their fingers in their ears. And went, no, no, I can't hear you. No, 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 yep. no. Um, nope, come I, to work. I think they will <laughs> hand him it, like you said. Once Strong gets left laying, if he don't yeah. mind, it might be interesting. Uh, but we'll see what happens. As for the match, I mean, this was it was a good tag match. Yeah, this wasn't Steamboat Flair, but it was just them smashing each other, which again mm-hmm. wasn't too bad. Alba Fire uh, would make a return next week. Bye bye, Kaylee Ray. And yeah. the W doctor told Brooke Jensen he would need six to eight weeks to recover. 
uh, from his attack on his right arm. His right arm was stronger because of wanking. Just in case yeah. we didn't get that joke. Anyway. So this was ridiculous, bro. This was ridiculous. It's just like, by the way, just ridiculous. Even the logic the doctor had. Ah, your muscles around the bone is so strong. If something has you out twelve weeks, there's nothing your muscles can do to make it better. <laughs> Uh, anyway, don't worry about it. I don't know why I'm even thinking about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, we we, we've got bigger fish to fry. The NXT Championship match, Bron Breaker versus Joe Gacy. And Bron Breaker struggled to keep his anger in check throughout the match. Breaker ducked the hands for his challenger with a spear to win. Afterwards, two-headed men stepped on the apron for the NXT Champion, but the show was cut off before we could see anything. Um... What was that? I'm just saying this. I don't care for all of this, right? But there's a couple of reasons. It just confirmed Joe is just a Bray Wyatt wannabe. That that's all it has done with this. Um, Before I ask you about the match, was Bron wearing? As the commentator said, was Bron wearing Rick Singlet from the very first Raw? I've seen this mistake. Hell no, he wasn't. <laughs> that is definitely not the same singlet. That, that was completely different. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Because that was no, 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 no. They were wrong. But it was hilarious, though. <laughs> it was funny. It was. I did do a little investigation, and I can confirm Rick Steiner did wear it at one point. But more yeah. importantly, he's not the first night around. His WWF figure um, was that outfit. So maybe that's the confusion. Ah, okay. A little bit. The outfit with pink and a little bit black on it um, was there. But the crowd was dead because they don't regard Joe Gacy as a threat. Um, plus, Brom nope. beating with a move that's not even his finisher. <laughs> exactly. Just uh, the, the, Actually, he beat him with the, the transitional move before the finisher. <laughs> The move he usually do before he finishes, so he just didn't even feel the need to finish you. And then another thing, like he he was attacking your dad. I did not like. I don't. This is the other thing. Sometimes in modern wrestling, I hate when we have to wait so we can announce who the champion is and who the challenger is. Like in this particular case, he should just all just, just like this one of the times where you run down, you throw the the belt like Austin did, and you just start brawling. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he beat up your father and all that. So if you're gonna do this, at least. Like, I didn't like how they didn't seem to believe in it either. You know what I mean? And it is ridiculous. So I get it. Even, like, like I said, I don't think Gacy is that bad in the ring. It's just all of the stuff around him makes you just not want to see him at all <laughs> in the stuff you say. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't help him. They, they're not helping him at all with all the cult <laughs> stuff and whatever they're trying to go with. And, and Braun is not seasoned enough to make – you care about someone that's nowhere near his level. You know what I mean? Like, yes. only special people can get elevate people like that. And Braun is not experienced enough yet to elevate a guy like that. So you need, like, that's why that's why the dark stuff with Ziggler worked so well because you know he was fighting above his his class. Like, but now he's punching down on the weirdo cult guy in, in the in the locker room, and it and it just don't make sense. And the worst part about this is that after the spear with the two guys coming up. That meant, and the way they just cut it off, I was like, that means it's continuing. And I was just brokenhearted. I was like, that means this may not be over. <laughs> oh, well, it's def- definitely, it's definitely not over. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that that but... broke my heart. I, that was the worst part. 
that they're going to continue this. Because I was like, if this is a one-off, we finally get – he loses, he beats the weirdo, stands tall, title over his – you know, dad probably comes out, whatever. You know what I mean? And we're over this finally. But no, it's apparently not over. <laughs> well, we have got one last NXT to yeah. you May 10th. And we start off with the NXT Tag Team Championships. Toxic Extraction versus Wendy Chu and Roxanne Perez. Rose got involved, distracting Wendy. This led uh, Roxy alone. JC James super kicked her off. Gigi, who got the pin to retain. Uh, I thought this was actually a really fun opener. Yeah, this was very fun to kick off the action. And, uh, you know, I like how they, they've been using Roxy at the beginning, you know, you, you know, into her run, immediately throwing her into this toxic attraction so that just shows you, you know, that she's around the championship in a title match and also about to be in this breakout term so it just shows you what they think of her and how ready she already may be uh you know uh for these spots but anyway uh you know i do want to know at some point toxic attraction is going to have to be dethroned so you know you, uh, maybe chance and caught in the tag division or whatever but you know, someone is going to, I don't know who could take down Mandy at this point, but at some point we're going to have to elevate some threats. And, you know, that's what I kind of came away from this match thinking. But, yeah, the match itself was very fun, uh, even though they've done that finish in different ways. You know, except Mandy didn't kind of get into the ring, but a distraction finish so they can pick up the victory. They've done that to death. But other than that, this was very fun. Yeah, like I said, Cho and Perez have meshed well. But Toxic do need challenges. The Creed brothers confronted Roderick Strong and told him to get out of their way when they faced the Viking Raiders in a rematch next week. Strong then announced Damon Kemp as an diamond mind. And then the Creed brothers say, hang on a minute, this is meant to be a decision for the group. Hang on a minute, I thought Roderick Strong was the fucking leader. Or well, since Malcolm Bivens is gone, as we've just all been forgotten about. Right. I don't understand. Um, just for to act like it never happened. Yeah, totally, yeah. Well, Joe Gacy, Joe Gacy walked out with two hooded men. He explained why he proved themselves beyond the rest of the pack. They would continue his movement, which sounds like something you do in the morning. Uh, he implored Bron Baker <laughs> to join them, or we would make them suffer yeah. in their wake. So, do you want to injure him for good, or do you want to be a part of your group? Uh, one of the scary so things someone uh, mentioned to me are the hooded men grizzled young vets? Oh, and I was looking I mean, at I them and I was going, possible. "Yeah, they they do kind of look grizzled and young." <laughs> <laughs> as young as you can look with a with the robe and mask on. <laughs> it's a theory. I don't, I don't know. know how I feel about it yet, but it's no. a theory. <laughs> No, I, 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 I really wouldn't. But we'll see what have that develops in recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, we got the bracket for the NXT Women's Break. And after the men's one's been so fucking successful, uh, we have got <laughs> Nikita Lyons versus uh, Arania Grace, while mm-hmm. Fallon Helen versus Sloane Jacobs and left side bracket. bracket. And uh, we will see Roxanne Perez versus Kiana James and Lash Legend versus uh, Tatum Paxley. Which again, nice names. Uh, so we'll start <laughs> with the action. Fallon Henley versus Sloane Jacobs. Jacobs nine was okay. Henley won with the Shining Wizard, uh, and then we had Amari Miller make a return to challenge Alba Fire, who walked out yeah. with new entrance, celebrating her rebirth. 
fire one with a firebomb and a senton. And do you know what, Monty? We, you know, we hate name changes, but I think this actually might help her. I was about to say this. I agree. The way they presented it and the way it looks and sounds, now it might. I think it can work. Yeah. I really think it can work. And I think, once again, it's one of those things, even though I hate Butch, the, the person working Butch is awesome. So, I like, you're gonna, you, can, you can get something out of him. You can see what I'm trying to say. If you're really awesome. And I think that's what we can definitely say about uh, fire and I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't hate it, man. I, I like the new look. I like that it's it was different from what we saw in Kaylee Ray. You know what I mean? She felt like different gear. You know, she changed enough. You know, the small differences, like even with the hairstyle. You know, uh, you know, fire had nothing to prove to us in the ring. We knew what she can do, but as far as what they were how they were presenting her going forward, I think this can work. And poor Amari Miller, by the way, no breakout term. You come back just in time so you can. <laughs> Yeah, well, fight this, fire, yeah. right? Amari Miller injured six months ago. <laughs> right, they show us their footage you know, and everything. And then just like, and then destroyed in a minute and a half. But <laughs> I, again, Miller, Miller did all right. We then, I had yeah. a really strange sense of deja vu with Solo coming out saying he wants next with Hayes and Grimes for the North American title going, yeah. how many times do I have to <laughs> see this? We then continue Godfather Part 4. Um, and after oh, God. after another kidnapping, um, oh, Santos man. did tell Tony D to fuck himself, which again, yeah, I quite like that. But like your point, I agree. It's got like I said, he's, he's there. Right, they're still not doing anything. He's executing it perfectly. Like I love the delivery, even the way Tony D. Like I said again, they're doing really well performing it. It's just like, all right, at some point we need to get where we're going. And it seems like we're finally going to go to the next chapter and it can stop being just idle threats. Well, we'll see what happens. Grayson Waller and Tiffany Stratton went on a shopping spree. That's it. Uh, No, they got a match. (laughs) They got a match (laughs) with Andre Chase and Sarai asked the team to team with him. Um, Bodie Hayward does speak Japanese. Uh, we see him go through a tunnel <laughs> for quite a funny transformation. Now, Cody yeah, Harwood, apart. yeah, I don't mind it. You know, chasing a blue jumper, uh, Bodie dressed up in whatever the fuck he was dressed up on, distracting uh, everybody with an air horn. Uh, Stratton dived onto the Chase U student, the Warrior Sun, caught her a roll up for free. Um, but I, because you mentioned Chase to me, kind of got like a not a soft spot. But I'm always giving him a yeah. chance. And I think the Chase U thing, I think you're right, is that has definitely got potential depending on yes. what they want to do. You know, so I think you're I right. agree. I love him. You know, I, I agree. He's always he's always been a highlight. Even like even in the little era of the black and gold before they, they switched over. I was like, okay, they you know, under the Chase, you know, they can have something. And the way they they seem they seem to be expanding and he's in the C W Z love him, so but this is fun. This is fun. So yeah, man. Uh, and even here uh, with with Stratton, I didn't even mind Stratton here. She wasn't. Yeah. She didn't. She wasn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time. Yeah. She was, I, I, you know, whatever. You to know, be fair, and, it's the first time I've mentioned her. <laughs> exactly. We've never even mentioned her, so that's my point. You know, so it was enjoyable enough for her to even get a mention. But Waller, uh, by the way, I I told you how much I do not like him, but he is damn good at. Just being slimy and unlikable. So, whether you, you know, 
And I and I know that's usually like we just talked about Cody's version of over or like how people believe you. And once you start saying that, the heel is getting cool. I don't think he's getting cool at all. But I'm just saying he's really good at what he does. Yeah, without a doubt. And then we had the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament, Nikita Lyons versus Ariana Grande. Uh, Lyons won with her <laughs> finisher. <laughs> yeah, all right, perverts. And then the main event, yeah. Natalia versus Cora Jade. And Natalia went after the knee of Cora Jade, doing enough damage to escape Jade's attempt at a sharpshoot. The boat then knocked on her own sharpshoot and forced a young star to pass out from the pain. I'm just ashamed Cora didn't uh, blade herself and have the blood gushing down as a sharpshooter. Um <laughs> But then afterwards, Natalia showed Jay respect hugging her. Do you know what, actually? I mm-hmm. really like this. I'm not going to lie. I agree. This was well executed. This is just by far the strongest match. And this was just a nice job, man. You know, Natty wrestled like a great heel match. And just core, you know, surviving and showing the fire, you know. Uh, and I think she's kind of becoming known for being like a, a, a tough baby face, the way they portrayed her really well so far. So, you know, this is great, you know, and Natty has done this before. Came on the NXT and just had a, an awesome match with, you know, a, a young person. You know, everybody know the, the Charlotte match in the picture that that was circling around with that. So, yeah, man, this is just awesome. And on a night where women was the focus, also, just capped off that night just right. Yeah, without about Natalia doing her job well, Jade looking great. And like I said, not a bad episode. Women taking over. So only three episodes, but what are your thoughts? on 2.0 because they did announce in your house coming up uh which i think is the day before hell in a cell so they give us mm-hmm. enough time to sort things out uh what are your thoughts on 2.0 and do we actually need a special event <laughs> coming up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems kind of soon huh and i don't really necessarily know what storylines uh because right now they're, they're swinging and missing on a lot but they like i said they have gacy stuff aside you know, it's some solid stuff here too, uh, and I, you know, to be fair, I, 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 I commend them for the women's division getting that focus on that episode because they have so many new faces to establish right now. Anyway, I like them all getting a chance to because the, the like we talked, I just was talking about that weeks ago. The, the women's division does not seem really deep at all anymore. So give some of these new faces time, but a lot of them gonna need time, and I, you know, so I know that to be a fact. But the North American title is still the hottest division on NXT TV. You know, even with the title, even with Cameron Grimes' situation, I still like what they have going. Whether they do it with Solo next or whatever is going to going on, they they're doing a really good job in that division right now. And I hope we'll get to see other some of those guys go into the world title division. We can get this Gacy stuff over. We can clear up this world title picture. Maybe this could you know this entire feeling of the show because when your world title storyline is bad it can it can make you just have a whole negative opinion about the whole show even though they have earned that negative opinion in, in this batch in my opinion but i must say uh this is probably the worst nxt title few in years if not ever well this is the problem because we've got a takeover coming up which probably gonna have Cree brothers uh, for the tag titles, which would be good, you know, North American title, mm. but they're main evented by fucking Joe Gacy versus oh, Rob Breaker. And if the hooded figures are going to play an important part, then it worries me that will, will they pull the 
you know, trigger on Gacy uh, and have him win the title. Really? Well, the thing is, no where else is it going? You know, this is the it's thing true, about it. I can't. People were turning their back on this man. Oh, like, mate, even the people yes, there don't yeah. want to see it. I loved it. Like, I love that they did that because it's just like, I, we all don't, no one wants to see that. No one wants to, no one wants to hear him speak anymore. Like, we're over this. Like, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, I just think that'll be a massive mistake. Not you can't have him lose, even though I do understand your logic. Mm. So I'm worried well, I hope, I going hope forward. I'm if that's what you, if that's what you're thinking, I'm worried going forward. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad time, but we've got through it. Like you said, the bad times yeah. are over now. That is NXT. We're going to move on to NXT UK. We've got three episodes, including the 200th episode, and of course the women's title and the NXT UK title on the line. So we'll start off April 28th. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness in person. He has been right? doing it. Yeah, I know. He's been doing it like us, believe it. I'm not going to ruin the illusion mm-hmm. now. I've got other side, you know, different countries. But now, I dream, Monty, you and I doing an update next to each other one day. You know, that, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah. You know? I get it. That, and he seemed happy to be there. It was good to see how... Uh, lively and packed the, the arena felt too. You know, it wasn't so spread out like it, you know, had to be, uh, you know, in the other shows that, you know, it seemed to be things that seemed to be getting a little bit more lenient. So, yeah, it, it gave the the show, show all batch of these shows a really, really good vibe. Without that, they've changed the camera side as well to, like I said, to have more fans yeah. there. Uh, so it actually does look better. And uh, we started off with a tag grudge match symbiosis versus uh mandrews and wild ball with eddie dennis trying to escape wild balls wrath uh andrews and wild ball actually worked together quite well until dennis hops on the apron for a distraction um symbiosis looked to put the match away sent up in the corner but wild ball was well acquainted partners moves rolling out the way to deliver a spear and a splash in the corner for Andrews flat t-bone will have fall to pieces for the pinfall after the match, Wild Boar did not wait around long to celebrate for throwing himself through the ropes and onto Dennis, raining down right hands and chasing Dennis around the BT studio with a steel chain in hand. Damn, did Dennis sell this. Uh, what did you think of this match? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was <laughs> on the run. He, he sold it. He was terrified the way he looked. Uh, but man, this is great. You know, uh, I thought they, like you said, I was really surprised. I guess I just because I'm not that familiar with Boar, but and but him and Andrews definitely worked really well to me. And you know, uh, I liked at sometimes, you know, I liked at the times in the match too, the little things like with Andrews with real in Boar, who was obviously just seething at the sight of Dennis out there. So. Uh, you know, then Borg got the hot tag and he just went on run. And uh, this was fun, man. And, and it was the next logical step in his quest to finally com- completely get his hands on Eddie Dennis, you know, uh, maybe in a match sooner than later. Well, this <laughs> is the thing. I mean, this is maybe not the best match, but the effort was there. But again, with NXT oh, UK, yeah. you get so many chances to tell stories and not even a secondary feud, like a first, you know, like how many people right. were upset about Wild Boar being kicked out of symbiosis and they kind of, they've, they've took time to create a story and it makes sense. You know, there's a reason I've always talked about this. There's a reason for each wrestler's existence on NXT UK, you know, right. and, and even with Wild Boar and Dennis, it's all about this at this moment in time. And a dog collar match was set. So Eddie Dennis cannot run, any more 
We move on and joined by Eliza Alexander at ringside. Zaya Brookside looked to emulate a fresh and batter rising superstar Angel Hayes. A very technical opening few minutes. Hayes earned the upper hand, taking Brookside off her feet with a drop kick. Uh, Brookside low wall down. Hayes with a modified camel clutch. Well, Hayes powered away back into it. Uh, Hayes was then distracted. Brookside managed to snuck in to roll her up for a quick one, two, three. And afterwards, Alexander Brookside continued the beatdown of Hayes until a male race that sent a pair scampering the ring. Uh, I liked Angel in this, um, but Zaya is gaining momentum. The McKenzie test is coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I was eager to see what was different or how Zaya looked now with, that she has, you know, Eliza in her corner. And, uh, you know, she definitely was more aggressive and she did a good job, you know, kind of being a little bit underhanded in the way, especially in the way she went. Like she won kind of in a spoiled way, like the victory was handed to her. So, again, psychologically, it all made sense. And Hayes, like you said, I'm not I'm not really that familiar with her, and she's not not that really established. I don't think in NXT UK, but and she took a beating. But I thought she still showed a great fight. I came away impressed here uh, at times, and you know this was solid, and it progressed to a male story too. So yeah. this this was done well done. You know, yeah, French hope will fight for justice as it was, and then following a brief right. conversation at the NXT UK Performance Center, a kid. Uh, we'll be having an upcoming rematch with Charlie Dempsey. It'll be funny if they called him Lee Akid at some point. But Akid's <laughs> finest moment. Uh, Damon Kemp has had a big update, boys and girls. Not only has he joined Diamond Mine, but he's officially joined the NXT UK roster yeah. as well. And speaking of 2.0s, Von fucking Wagner. Can't escape. Saxton Huxley. I can't. If I was to name anybody I hate, the most it would be him unless they bring Brooks and Jensen down to win the <laughs> tag titles like they can't <laughs> they just I don't know what else they can do um Huxley looked to keep the pressure on in this match and didn't do too bad but the power of Wagner was no match uh, as he caught Huxley in the midst of a flying crossbody and hoisted him up for a swing and slam and a pinfall Wagner I'd say Huxley was just the first man to fall to him because it's Wagner's world and everyone in NXT UK is just living in it. Well, I'm glad he's got yeah, a new keeper. I'm glad he's thought of a new catchphrase. Um, fuck this <laughs> is what I'd put. I just fuck this. I'm not here for it. I'm really not. You know what? I even hate Von Wagner's logo. You see the VW? It's just... <laughs> I don't even like his logo. Like it's just everything about it is just bland, and you know, no matter what, no matter the brand, I just couldn't care less about Wagner. I just, I don't. Either way it go, maybe I, I wrote here, maybe being over in the UK can make him better by association because you know, there, you know, it's a pretty solid locker room there. But you know, when you check out on a character like I have with him, <laughs> you checked out. You know what I'm saying? I only didn't skip this because NXT UK is a shorter show. So I just like, it's pointless. You know, it probably won't be more than seven minutes or whatever, you know. So <laughs> I just went ahead and let it go. But yeah, I I, I can't get behind Wagner either, man. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Look, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound anti-American here, all right, or anything. <laughs> but if you want to fuck up your own show, 
Fair <laughs> enough. Do not come here and start fucking up. Well, this is not my doing. idea. It's not fair. Not not fair. One of the only things I did about this was the fans singing to Saxon Huxley. He's one of our own. Saxon Huxley. He's one of our own. <laughs> and then, like, every other UK person <laughs> ends up losing. But we'll get on to that. Um, early in the week, Gallos <laughs> held a press conference. Gallos is fine. There's no lingering issues within the group, and they'll get back on track because they're starving for success. Let's see what happens, though. Uh, Tiger Tran will make his NXT UK debut next week. Also, Lush Legend will be with Noam Dar. Uh, and then we get uh, moderated by NXT UK general manager Johnny Saint. Yes, Johnny is still alive, and his assistant Sid Scala. It was Ear Dragonoff <laughs> and his future opponent Jordan Devlin put pen to paper for the upcoming top match on the two. 100th episodes. Tempest between the two heat rivals quickly rose, uh, claiming to be better off about the person sitting across from them. So Dragunov suggested up the stakes and the loser of the rematch would have to leave NXT UK. I have seen so many contract signings in my life. Did Jordan Devlin put his feet on the table and he uh, tell him to take his feet off? Or am I getting confused with <laughs> another one? Like, do you know when it's not sure? what? I, I'm pretty sure that happened, but I'm not 100%. Um, they both, of course, signed the contract and made the stipulation official. Dragunov judged an attempt uh, for a headbutt by Devlin to deliver his own. Uh, and they started trading blows uh, with looks to smash Devlin through <laughs> the corner, uh, the mm-hmm. table in the corner. And they dragged off charged toward Devlin. The Irish race pulled Sculler in front of him to halt him, dropping him with a headbutt. That is here. And then launched him through the table with a Devlin side. This was a very WWE way to end the show. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, textbook Raw. Yes. <laughs> textbook Raw, go home show. Uh, whatever. It was good to see Johnny Saint for like the second time that night, I think, because he was there for the Damon Kemp thing. So, you know, uh, I don't get to see him much. So I always write down we have a Johnny Saint sighting. Uh, and... <laughs> And, like, I, I do like that. The only thing I do like about this thing even uh, was the stakes, you know, the stakes were high anyway, you know, 200 episodes, big deal. But, you know, they leveled up the match by, you know, doing the loser leaves. And I actually was curious, even though I think I, I think it made me be like, oh, okay, Devlin probably, probably is going to be gone. But I actually was curious. I was like, well, hmm, do that mean drag? They, someone may have bigger plans for dragging off. It kind of put that in my head. So I didn't. I thought the stakes kind of got raised. But other than that, yeah, this is the definition of uh, contract signing on, on the main roster. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not the strongest on the mic, but it's worth it for, the, like you said, the loser leaves town carry out. Sid Sculler was pissed. I thought he was going to yes. fuck up. I thought he was going to fuck up Jordan Devlin. That's how he was pissed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, wait till wait, you know, uh, you got two weeks time or whatever he kept saying. Like he was just, <laughs> he was. Go, yeah, two weeks time, but next week you're facing me. <laughs> yeah, he he was heated. Yeah, but it's not the best episode, but it's the first one of the new set of tapings, and we have got the women's NXT title on the line next. So let's get straight to it, May fifth. And I will say, and you mentioned this earlier as well, Nigel McGuinness loves NXT UK as much as Pat loves SmackDown. I think if you put yes. them both in a room, if you were to do a mass debate, both their heads would explode. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He he loves it. He's excited. 
you know, the red and black brand, you know, he just, he's, <laughs> he's very, very proud to be back. And I think you can tell he's actually happy to be back over there also. Right. Uh, well, we get a supernova <laughs> sessions with Lash Legend. Ugh. This segment took place inside the ring of a, instead of a set. Shah Samuels yeah. offered Legend his chair. Dar gave Legend some stale flowers and Samuels gave her a beautiful bouquet. The aired, the aired a highlight reel of a legend in NXT. <laughs> Dar accidentally poured water all over himself. Then Samuels ran the odds of all the NXT 2.0 exchange students. Insulting Damon Kemp. Legend then spewed a few more catchphrases before this segment was over. This didn't with the crowd. And the story is that Dar and Samuels fawned over Legend. They can do yeah. better than this. They tried, but Lash was awful. I mean, this was 2.0-ish. Yeah. You know, uh, they turned, it, it felt it, it felt like it, uh, but I did pop because I was, you know, you know, just because of the execution of like some of the little gags, you know, with the flowers, the dark found. I don't, they were, I don't even know how you present them to someone. <laughs> like they were, <laughs> oh my God, the wor- most, the worst flowers. I've seen, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, she, she, I, I think that the worst thing that you, the point is you thought she was horrible. And I think that's her strong suit right there. It's just talk is like talking is literally supposed to be the thing that she's best <laughs> at right now, because we've seen what she has in the ring so far. And she definitely, you know what I mean? She yeah. has a lot of work to do in the ring. So that's what she does best. And you hated it. So. Well, can't, can't wait for more 2.0, yeah. Um, since Scala announced a four-team mini-tournament with the two winning teams of Arch Challenge for Mustache Mountain titles, during the announcement, Von Wagner interrupted and told Scala the only important announcement was Wagner being here. <sighs> Sam Gradwell appeared, and I'm usually, as you know, Ponty, so happy to see <laughs> Gradwell Uh but he took offence at Wagner, put his hands on Scala. Uh, they had words. Looks like the two will meet in a ring down the line. Oh, shit, Sam. What? I mean, <laughs> the, the guy I hate most on NXT 2.0 versus the guy I like the most on NXT UK. I'm not saying I'm paranoid, but it doesn't mean someone's not out to get me. You know? <laughs> it's just not. Something's going on, man. I, I do. I, I must say this, though. They trust our favorite. You know, they put Last Legend with Noam Dar, and they <laughs> they put Von Wagner. Which I guess we got to have a positive spin here. Let's just say, ah, oh, at least they, tr- you know, we they really have a lot of trust for the people we really like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Shah Sam was backstage with Last Legend. He took selfies, and Damon Kemp turned up. Uh, didn't like the odds. Uh, Kemp yeah. said his odds meant mad disrespect, and told Sam was to watch his match. Uh, then up next, we get uh, making his debut versus Tate Mayfairs. And Taran dominated the early minutes with some nice lucha offense. Mayfairs actually took mm. over and scored a few near falls. Taran came back with missile dropkick from the middle turnbuckle and followed up with a somersault senton for the pin for victory. And like we spoke about last month, I am probably 90% sure it's Amir Jordan. But it doesn't mean I dislike the story uh, right. More than it should, because we talked about it with symbiosis, a secondary, third, full few, you know, storyline about mm-hmm. a tag team splitting last year, and it's weird because we're talking about two hundred episode of uh, Loser Leaves Town, and this was the basis from here. 
Um, so I really do like this story. But Mayfair still alright, but I still think of cigarettes. <laughs> right. This was. Uh, I thought this was cool, though. You know, uh, and I'm glad you added that element. And as as time went on through vignettes and stuff with uh, with Kenny, I started to get it too. Uh, but because I, I was looking at, it, I was like, man, this is really kind of generic for <laughs> the, the Himalayas. Look at the gear, some of his stuff. But you know, it was a nice one time bomb. Uh, but uh, you know, either way it go, I, when I started to think about it, and I connected the dots, I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. It goes somewhere. So I'm glad you uh, that you can still your theory was right because I immediately thought about what you said about. Uh, you know Amir Jordan, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens as we as we continue on. Because, like I said, I trust NXT UK to make uh, logical uh, steps, so I'm, I'm I'm ready to go for the ride. Yeah, knowing our luck, and take the mask off, it'll be Joe Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, we never know. Uh, Lights <laughs> go out one day. Oh God. <laughs> Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter had words with the backstage. Two teams will meet in a match next week. Uh, highlight video as well for the special 200 episode of NXT aired. And Drew McIntyre rated a video for the Clash of the Castle, W's first major UK pay per view in 30 years. And tickets go on sale in a couple of days. Time and Monty, I have got the responsibility of getting myself, Jaxie, and Gina tickets. I am shitting it. <laughs> I really am. I can't let the team down. <laughs> okay, you got a hustle because. I know them tickets are flying, and I don't know. I'm just fancy booking. I have no clue where we're going to be storyline-wise when we get there. But that ad made me go like, okay, you have to give Drew at least the victory there, yeah. right? The world title victory. Roman, come right on, there. Come, you'll hear come me on. scream. It's, it'd be you'll perfect. hear me it'd scream from where you are if that happens. <laughs> um, we get a highlight video of Ivy Nile. Nina Samuels announced you would personally welcome Nile to the show next week. What is it with my favorites? Stop fucking up to 2.0 wrestlers right? <laughs> Nina do your show leave them alone um, yep. someone I don't give a fuck about though Danny Jones uh, faced Damon Kemp <laughs> which I suppose uh, did you know Kemp is from the same alma mater as Brock Lesnar and Gable Stevenson what a coincidence oh, they keep huh? reminding me <laughs> they keep, <laughs> they keep reminding me um, well Kemp quickly came back after Jones floored him uh, and he hit a rolling fireman's carry and running pad to get the win. After the match, Shah Samuels running the beat down Kemp. So you're going to have Shah lose again. But hey, again, I'm not going to get yeah. into that. I will say, Damon, the problem with a light coloured singlet is you can't hide much if you catch my drift. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Looks like he was smuggling yeah. bananas. I think that'd be fancy. <laughs> I, I immediately was like, yeah, I need new gear. Gear change, I promise. Just you looked go at ahead and do it now. You looked at me. James is going to say something. <laughs> gear change, man. You need to go ahead and switch it now. I know it's your debut. Get it out the way and then go find you some new gear. <laughs> uh, I immediately thought that. Uh, I thought he showed some technical potential, though. You know, uh, He has a foundation, but uh, I don't know, you know what to really expect. I will say this though, does not look how he sounds. I mean, you know, you know, does not really match his voice. His voice was what I really was not expecting his voice to be that light. No. But it is what it is. It's not a big deal. Uh he probably would be fine with time. Uh but again, he's another situation where 
We're dealing with a lot of unknowns in this batch of NXT UK. Well, a lot weirdly, of new faces, right? Weirdly enough, this match was edited as well when Kemp hit the rolling senton. They tried to hide it with a camera cut, but something must have happened ah. there that they went back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, will every NXT UK star lose to 2.0? It's not looking good. It's, it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amelia McKenzie, by the way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Well, a few people were backstage and clapped for Tiger Turan as he came back from his match. Kenny Williams ran after Turan and was upset. The people didn't take notice of his want of posters for him. We get a highlight video of D-Familiar airing. was narrated by all three members. Charlie Dempsey said he would again defeat A-Kid. While Rahan Raja said that him and Tierman would become NX UK Tag Champions. The Eye is always watching. And then a tremendous video on the Loser Leaves NXT UK match between Ilya Dragunov and Jordan Devlin. It showed highlights from the empty arena and the contract signing from last week. Devlin said his father told him when he was a young kid he would be whatever he wanted, but also to rise. Dragunov said that he was in constant pain and always sore, but he wants it no other way. Dragunov said Devlin will have a lot of time to think about when he leaves NXT UK next week. Devlin said he wanted himself gone too if he was sharing a locker room with himself. He told Dragunov to never bet against an ace. It is just a shame it's on the UK. Do you know what I mean? This, this, the whole story, the build-up has been fantastic. You know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is this is top-notch stuff. And you know, just like you said, it's a shame everyone don't get a chance. Or, you know, know. us two are watching. It's a shame. It. That's it. Like, right? It's a shame, man. It's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. Such a shame. Well, the main event, the World of Darkness match, NXT UK Women's Champion Miko Satmore versus Isla Dawn, and Miko. We talked about Bron Breaker earlier, not starting strong against Joe. Well, Mika did not. Uh, Mike yes. did not wait for the bell for getting hands on Isla Dawn, delivering a huge forearm after the lights around the ring went dark. She hounded Dawn and Jackson spilled from the ring where Dawn slammed the final boss face first onto the apron before pulling out an assortment of weapons from underneath the ring. Yeah, they traded blows outside. Uh, Dawn abruptly dropped to her knees and threw her hands in the air, seemingly drawing power from the darkness as smoke right. billowed from behind her. Hmm. Well, now focused, Dawn drops out more with a suplex for rolling the ring and pulling out a box of trophies using a piece of Danny Luna's hair to try and sit Satamora. You knew I I loved that. I got a kick out. I got a kick out of yeah, a, that was a awesome. magic box. You know? um, that was an awesome callback. Yeah, she went to grab another trinket from a box, but got caught with a spinning back heel kick. Satamora attempted to go high risk, climbing top, but Dawn caught with a brutal chair shot. For breaking a broomstick across the back of the final boss. Uh, she tied Satmore's hands to the ring post, batting her with a rope. Satmore finally faded away out of the ropes and returned to punishment to Dawn in full with numerous blasts from the kendo stick. After Satmore with a tranche submission, she squashed the UK Women's Champion with a top rope meteora onto a chair for a stunning near fall. The devious Dawn looked to suplex Satmore through another chair, but the final boss reversed. Dawn went through the chair with a Death Valley driver and then got hit with a Scorpio Rising. Uh, and Miko Santamora is still the NXT UK Women's Champion. Um, I mean, I will say, before I get your thoughts on the match, this could have gone down a silly road. But I yes. think some of the cinematography of this was awesome. And Dawn believes in that character 100%. I agree. 
agree 100 percent i was really wondering like was this just gonna be a, was it gonna be a street fight with just with the lights off or something you know or, or was it gonna be cinematic and i, I kind of like like you said they kind of implement a little bit of both and uh the lighting and the sound effects you know what i mean that they had going on at the beginning and you know they they went for it all you know even the bizarre stuff that may not be for everyone I didn't think it was overdone either, like you said. So they definitely could have went even more wacky, but they didn't. Uh, uh, but it made sense also. The stuff they did made sense within the story they were trying to tell in the grand scheme of things also. So like you said, the belief of Don is incredible. And, you know, it was ended up being a very physical battle. You know, what you would expect after, you know, all that had already transpired. They were being creative, you know, tying Mike Mako up in the broomstick spot. Uh, you know, they, they just really executed everything well. I think they killed it. And Isla is just awesome. You know, witchcraft, uh, whether you necessarily can't get behind it, even though I think, like you said, her belief in this character and the way it's been presented so far has been really, really, it's just been done well. I don't know about how much lasting power it could have, but I know right now it's really, it's top-notch stuff. And that meteor, that, you know what I mean? I, like the meteor spot onto the chip. Like I thought it was over. Yeah. I actually believed that she beat the final boss. So when you kind of get that belief out of me and, you know, you become that much of a threat, I believe she's elevated now. Like I think she should be elevated in our minds as a threat because that was awesome, in my opinion, from Don. And, you know, Mako's the final boss and continues to show that, you know, how good she really is all the time. So. This is great. It's not. It's not often the challenger comes up short, but it's become stronger for it. And, and Miko, like I said, is just such a badass. Uh, it makes kind right. of perfect sense. Uh, kind of what the kind of captain's doing in this. And I thought, like I said, with Dawn, we've seen that progression the past year. Even getting the you know the box of trinkets and kind of joking right. about that to kind of begin with, and then everything she's built now is becoming a legitimate threat. And this is. Like I said, when you've got time and you're not worried about either you know being released or you know when you were mm-hmm. this is what they can do, you know. Right, and you, like you said, that patience, you know, and like the, it feels like it paid off here. Yeah, well, that's that. Well, last episode, and it is May twelfth. It's the two hundredth episode of NXT UK. Yes, I cannot believe I've been reviewing two hundred fucking right. episodes. Of NXT UK since <laughs> it started. A nice promo to start as well. Uh, Nigel and Andy calling the action. Uh, and it's tag action to begin. The winner will face the tag champs. And the winner of the other tag match. Of course, it's Joe and Mark Coffey versus uh, Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith. Uh, the Gallus boys wanted to be on top. Uh, getting some encouragement from his younger brother, Joe Smith. Smith flying with a belly-to-belly suplex. Imposing his will, despite tweaking his leg from the backbreaker, the damaged leg proved to be a target for Smith as Carter as he wore down the Iron King by hammering away. Uh, Joe came to kick out with a big boot and assisted 360 splash before catching Carter with a pair of knees during another attempt to splash to escape and tagging his brother Mark. Mark storms in with a hot tag, uh, but Joe called for the tag so the tandem could knock Smith off his feet with combined clothesline and chop block through an ear fall. After Carter jumped in to break the pin, he flattened Mark on the outside with a dive over the ropes, which allowed Smith to cut the lugs out from under Joe for hitting an assisted moonsault in the centre of the ring to win uh, to earn the pin victory. Uh, before I get your thoughts on this, the very first match of NXT UK 
was Joe Coffey versus Mark Andrews. So I quite like the fact on a 200th show, the fuck is still there. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on this, though? Yeah, man, this is great. I think Smith and Carter, man, they really hit their stride. And, you know, they looking, they look good in this match. And they were in control. They were the better team in this match. And I love, again, I say it all the time, just how logical and just how smart everything is. And that's just because, not to say that other promotions are dumb, it's just it's like everything they do when they're trying to tell a story is connected. And I just love that about NXT UK because – you know, Gallus has been having issues, you know, trust and all. They've been arguing, and they were isolated a lot during this match while Carter while Carter and Smith were working together throughout, you know. And so just that element was beautiful for me, and continuing that little dissension or problems that seemed to be going on uh, with the coffee. So, you know, I just love the little thing about in, in the little things about NXT UK, and I just love how they focus on that stuff. And this is just really good. And Smith and Carter qualify, continues the tag team title chase. So this just ended up being nice stuff either way on both sides. Yeah, like you said, the, the emotion of Joe at ringside, knowing he kind of let the team down. We're going to touch on that a little bit more in a minute. But another really good opener. Another big win for NXT UK's most improved tag team. And a big scalp. Like I said, Gallus boys have been on top 200 episodes. So Smith and Carter to get the win there. It is a big deal. Another big deal was A-Kid facing Charlie Dempsey in the Heritage Cup rules match. I mean, no matter what happens on 2.0, I'll be thinking about that. Uh, Lash Legend interrupted Amina <laughs> McKenzie. McKenzie says, Legend's only ran her mouth and she had not fight. Then she says she doesn't want any of this. Uh, up next, Nina Samuel show was stopped by Ivy Nile. Uh, she she made a powerful impression. Uh, Samuels did manage to step Niles' head back across the ropes to take charge of the match, but the pitfalls swung the momentum back to her side, powering out submission attempts to drop Samuels with insecurity for hitting her with a flying fall-away slam. Uh, <laughs> poor fucking Samuels. Nia pummel Samuels in the corner and climbed to the top rope until Samuels caught by surprise with an earring and slap but it only made Noel angry. Uh, she locked in her dragon sleeper on the top turn, flipping off the top rope for a unique fate buster, holding on to force Samuels to tap out. Poor Nina. Um, she worked well, and Ivy, I think, just needs experience, but I didn't mind this. Mm-hmm. No, this was good, in my opinion. It was good to see uh, Ivy in the ring with someone like Nina, because I, I really do give her the utmost respect, just like Cause she's just a, a highlight whenever she's on the care on on TV. Like so far, at, in these reviews, I've enjoyed pretty much almost everything she's been a part of. So, Ivy being able to learn and be around people like that, being in this women's division, like I said, a very very strong women's division can be valuable for her because I think she has the look and the background. So, uh, this is really strong, and this is cool in my opinion. Well, another thing as well is Ivy kind of fits the bill in NXT UK of kind of another women's cats that we haven't got like a complete kind of submission badass Ivy would kind of fit that well even though obviously well hopefully especially Von Wagner's case they're not here for long you know uh, but it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens Damon Kemp is in NXT UK to learn a British strong style and is ready to face Shah Samuels 
We get a video package promoting the upcoming dog collar match between Eddie Dennis and Wild Boar. And Dave Massive and Jack Stars parodied The Godfather and The Familiar. Um, do you know what? I liked it. Again, Star... I don't laugh. Yeah, Star's laugh. a massive triumph. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was laughing, man. This was a great spoof. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, after losing their match, Joe Coffey feels like he needs to be a better, bigger brother to Mark. Step away and get back on track. You wonder what is next for Gallus. And then Kenny Williams watching Tiger tapes. He's sending Kenny loopy. And then the main event, what we're here for now, the very last match to review the NXT UK Championship on the 200th episode of NXT UK, Ia Dragunov versus Jordan Devlin. Uh, they set the tone early with a flurry of fierce right hands for Jordan Devlin muscled Ia Dragunov up for a brain broster across the top rope, sending the champ crashing to the floor. It looked brutal and... I honestly don't think I've seen that before because it's such a dangerous move. Yeah. I think I've seen like Sammy Zayn do it like once maybe, but yeah, definitely rare, rarely done, and it was sick. It was absolutely sick, man. That was an insane spot. It, like, you know, it set it up. I'm like, okay, I can see where we're going in this fight if this is how it's going to be. <laughs> and this was early into this match. Yeah, so when. When you know exactly an early bump makes you go, Jesus fuck, like you know you're in for something. And Devlin continues to dissect the necro series and slams as he has struggled to maintain any offense. He fought his way out of a half crab submission and dragging off back at the Irish chase with a barrage of devastating clothesline and suplexes to take Devlin off his feet. As Dragunov attempted to go high risk, Devlin knocked him off the top rope and flattened Dragunov with a springboard moonsault for delivering a verse cutter for a near fall. The two superstars traded blows again atop the turnbuckle to Dragunov game control and sent Devlin flying with a massive superplex. Dragunov meant to finish the match with a Tito Moscow, but Devlin sidestepped out of the way as the champ crashed into the turnbuckle, hoisting Dragunov up for a Devlin side and the one, two, three, and your new... NXT UK champion, it is Jordan Devlin. But wait, the general manager, Johnny Saint, stormed out. And as Andy Shepard was shouting for VAR, uh, it looked like he did see indeed the rope, uh, the foot on the rope, and the match had to be restarted. I wasn't sure about this, but at least it means... At that point, I mean, did you think at any point, oh, fuck, Devlin's done it? And also, (laughs) uh, at least it's Saint Devlin can moan about. Right? Yeah. Um, no, I definitely uh, did not think uh, at any point. I was like, yeah, he was too close to the ropes. You know, his leg was right there. I'm like, even when he counted, I'm like, no way. No way this is how it's going to happen if they do it. So, yeah, uh, it was tough. But I did almost, after I kind of thought about it, I was like, I guess it could be like a nod also. Like, ah, yeah, we appreciate you, Devlin, because you've been here from the beginning also. So you can kind of have the feeling of winning the championship here. But you know, we the inevitable, I thought, was coming. And it wasn't that long after they restarted it, <laughs> what was going on. Yeah. The bell rang once again, and Dragunov nearly pulled a quick one on the fewest Devlin with a surprise headbutt. But as he charged in for yeah. the speed of Moscow, the Irish Ace counted with a sunset flip pile drop. <laughs> fucking talk about that. Oh, and the suplex. I mean, that was incredible, you know. Yeah, that was perfect. It was. It really was. And then the two belt adversaries traded headbutts 
until Dragunov countered the Devlin side with a German suplex, catching the Irish Ace with a torpedo Moscow to earn the victory and retain the title. So still the NXT UK champion, Ia Dragunov. And this man can have a bad title defence. Both men look like stars. What a fucking main event. Top notch, man. Championship wrestling at his best. Uh, I love I, I love the empty arena fight, but man, this is just as good as it gets right here, man. And uh, I I just I don't know, man. I, from the beginning of it, I thought this match was really good. Working the neck after the brain buster and all of that, and uh, and you know the dragon off run in you know currently has been it's what the hell is going to keep him down. You know, what's going to stop him? Because no one fires up out of nowhere and, like, with that passion. Like, Ilya, Ilya's intensity is so great, in my opinion. He just keeps me locked into every move that he does. Like, because, like, he's just so intense. He's in that moment. How do you look away? And uh, he's just so physical. And uh, I, I Devlin, like I said, that nod, I kind of felt like it was a nod looking back, getting, letting him win the, bat, the belt in that false finish. So, you know, I didn't mind it, even though I guess that's kind of typical WWE also. (laughs) But uh, it set up the true finish, which I I didn't mind. And then that fight, like I said, that that final flurry from both guys was just like a chef's kiss, you know? Yeah, it was was just great stuff. And I'll tell you, you know, we'll talk about the match and talk about NXT, but I want to ask you quickly, because I wondered who was next for the Dragunov, who could take, because... He's been champion now for only, you know, a few months. Um, but looking at the UK landscape, I can't see a next challenger jumping out at me. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, uh, unless, and uh, you know, no. And yeah, I think because he, he he's already fought AQ, right? So, yeah, yeah so that, so that, that doesn't make him. You would probably, you would, would you push Charlie to the moon fast? Would that be too soon? Because, like, he would be the only one I can think of, but I'm just trying to think because I know Tillman and, you know, Tillman and Rod are going for the tag. So I'm just thinking about it that way in that sense. But, yeah, other than that, I can't – I'm trying to think. Maybe a Mark Andrews, maybe, you know. But there's, I don't there's, know. there's no one there, though, shall I say. There might be – Yeah, no, there's no – yeah. There's no, no one there to definite take. answer. Yeah, I mean, yeah there's, no definite answer. There's no one – you know, to say he holds the title for the, the end of the year, I'll be – you know, pretty certain unless someone kind of springs up where it comes with Miko Satamora, I think Blair Davenport, we spoke about that. I think what's interesting is the tag team title scene, which is getting really interesting at the moment. Yeah. Smith and Carter got, um, you know, unfinished things with uh, Mustache Mountain. And of course, talk about Heritage Cup. Now, Dar playing, you know, Mm -hmm. the silly buggers on these three shows him to put his Heritage Cup on the line. Uh, again, if Dempsey wants to do Heritage Cup matches, then that's Darth, true too. Darth's pretty fucked. But I mean, what have you thought <laughs> about NXT UK uh, these three episodes? I will say, actually, sorry, before we, I ask you that, two hundred episodes. Uh, I thought maybe it would have been nice for a few more stars to either return yeah. or give interviews about their experiences in UK. Don't get me wrong. I know... I agree. You know, Ray Ripley and stuff. It was missing something for such a special show. I agree. I like the little video package, you know, uh, where they kind of highlighted with a lot of the, you know, the biggest names 
throughout the brand's history had, are, is up to now. Like, I kind of, I didn't mind it, but I agree. Like, something, some video packages from, like, the, the Pete Dunn's or, you know, uh, having some of them maybe talk about those early days of the run, you know, maybe just throughout. But I understand it's an hour show, so they probably, you know, with time constraints, they still want to give everybody enough time with their matches. So that's another thing. I, it would have been nice. Maybe it's a 200 episode. Got a little extended time. It would have been cool uh, to do that for this because this is a special occasion. But, uh, yeah, that probably was the only thing missing, though, from the 200th episode. The the matches in, uh, really, really held their own, in my opinion. And as far as my opinion on NXT UK in general, uh, in this batches, they, they're in a transitional period. I think this is probably a big period right now. Like you said, we don't really necessarily know where we what's next for challenging Dragunov. We uh, we have a lot of new faces. There was more introductions in this Bachelor episode than Matt Classics. You know, I think we can agree there. So, uh, you know, but it all made sense. I still kind of trust the way that they develop stories. So if they continue to keep that foundation and, uh, you know, even with the new faces like uh, Kemp and Shaw situation already going down, even with Lash and McKenzie, I'm not saying I got high hopes for the outcome, but it's already set up like they're going somewhere with it. So that's already better than a lot of stuff that's going on. Like you see what's coming next logically all the time here, but it is a big deal because where are we going to go here? Are we all about introducing the American new faces? Are we going to, Go uh, go away from that bulk of that that roster that we were already establishing because people like you know Aaliyah James and some of these other faces are going to have to move aside. It was only an hour of television, you know. So for Last Legend and some of these other people to get shot, some other people that probably could use more time also is going to have to you know move aside for a second. But anyway, other than that, NXT UK in my opinion is still very very solid. I can't the way Dragon Off and Devlin capped it off was obviously a strong point. The tag division, like you said, is solid. Is I don't. It's just it's perfect. Gallus's issue, if you want to throw that in there, also it, it's been well done. Uh, you know, uh, I love Alex Dunn and Mako's banger of a match and that that angle. And I feel like the women's division is still very very deep. Wherever they want to go next with that with the title shot there, so that's fine. And uh, like I said, it's you know they still a great example of quality over quantity in my opinion in NXT UK. Uh, but it is important to see where we're going now because they they seem to be trying a lot of new things r- right now. Yeah, my only worry is that we could have done this with NXT, and it's like in a few months' time, you and I having the conversations. Remember what UK used to be like. You know, before yeah, I hope that's not where like, we're yeah. going. Yeah, but that's why I say this is important because we could be either going towards yeah a dip or we could be going you know to new heights because it, like you said, dragging off match by match this rain. Come on, man! This is one of the most impressive rains going right now. <laughs> uh, like you said, unfortunately the eyes are not on it that it deserves, but every match he's having has been great. But this is the thing, it's like Pete Dunn's reign, and I go, well, no one will ever better Pete Dunn's reign or achieve it. And Volta comes along, well, no one will ever, ever do. And he, like I said, it is five-star. I mean, if you do not believe us, watch it. It is a match of the year candidate between two yes. guys that deserve to be stars. Whether they are or not, you know, is another thing, but. What's Excellent. next for Devlin? I wanted to ask you that too. Do you you see NXT? Are we talking main roster? Anytime soon, or is he just going to go over to the States to 2.0 and get up to the ocean? Well, like, what's next for Devlin? He's got a lose to Grayson Waller. 
So they've got a kind of... <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I personally uh, think he... Well, I think he's main roster ready. His size is going to let him down. Yeah, that's going to hurt him. His weight title. But then again, a teaming up with Balor's a student and teacher, uh, I probably I wouldn't mind that. that. But the thing is, Devin is so unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> Like gonna be the obvious, the most obvious turn ever. <laughs> Everyone's gonna see that coming. Yeah, the, the credit to the Irish Ace. Like two hundred episodes of next UK, and whatever happens next, yeah, it'd be interesting. But like you said, I don't think it will be uh, as a face. But I mean, think of the plethora of things we have covered today. You know, it has been an amazing episode as it always is. But this one, we've, we've yeah. hit near enough everything. You know. Yeah, man, a nice wide assortment of, uh, you know, awesome, awesome wrestling talk, man. This is fun. Well, well, that is it. Then don't forget, because all social media, Twitter at the Dubner Podcast. I'm at the Dubner Jr. You can find the entire Dubner team on the Twitter banner. Or Monty, where can they find you? Yeah, it's at Mind Monty Pod. M O N T Y. Click the. You can click my pin tweet. You know, go to my link tree. Listen to our latest episode where we talk about more in depth about the Kota Ibushi situation that we mentioned earlier. And, you know, we have a little, we also recap my horrible predictions <laughs> for backlash. So you guys can come over there and laugh at me as I try to rationalize some of the bad decisions I made. But anyway, check us out, you know, at my Monty Pod. <laughs> yeah, perfect. With a double and also on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, all good platforms. Send us an email at double podcast at gmail.com. YouTube on podcast with all the latest clips and podcasts because they turn on YouTube they do SoundCloud on your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Um, our next episode will be the end of the month, double or nothing, May 28th. But we will have a huge June and July coming up, Monty, as well, because like we spoke about, we've got NXT in your house that we're going to hopefully do June 11th have four episodes of NXT to watch so it'll be an update and a special event and then hopefully a week later we can cover we catch up with the network and the UK stuff but we've got the Forbidden Door coming up the, the pre-show and the live show mm-hmm. we've got Money in the Bank coming up with a pre-show <laughs> and a review show it is gonna be hitting hard so if anybody's listening now and thinking I want to hear more of you guys then just wait until next month but the next time we're all together. We'll be, like I say, May 28th for Double or Nothing, uh, the pre-show. But until then, I have been James Rollins and was joined by the mind of Monty. And again, it's always a pleasure uh, to have you on. Uh, and to do this, it flies by, you know. Right? Two hours just like that. Oh, you know, easy, easy people. This is always fun. Uh, I appreciate this, this platform I'll, I'll say it all the time i can't wait to do it again we obviously have a lot planned <laughs> <laughs> yes we do the dubbing r will be there but like i said thanks for listening everybody and bye adios